Bring it in. Read Option Podcast back and better than ever. Uh, unless you're a fan of the Philadelphia Eagles, the pod, the whole boys, the whole group, everyone's here. Uh, excited for another great podcast. Our last podcast before Christmas. So to quote the great uh, Chris Berman, let us be the first among the first to wish you a very happy holidays, happy Christmas, happy Merry New Year, all that fun stuff. Um <laughs> But yeah, boys, it's great to see you guys. You excited for the holidays? We've got some great games this week, too. I'm yeah, excited I'm a little for worried. football on Christmas. That's all. Well, I, I'm so for that. I'm a little worried. I, I was talking to my family, and we have some plans and stuff to do on Sunday, right? Christmas Eve stuff. And I was like, you know, Red Zone starts at 1 p.m. And the, the response from my sisters and mother were not as excited about Red Zone from 1 to 7 on Christmas Eve as I was. Um, yeah, so I'm, I'm going to try and win over the nieces and nephews watching football. That's my key is you got to get mm. with the young kids, get them into it. So then you're like, oh, I'll watch the kids. And by watching them, I mean, I'm going to make them watch football. That's a so great that's, loophole. That's my strategy say, here. Say um, Uncle Uncle Vito here. Uncle, Uncle Brian yeah. has a lot of money on this game. Mm-hmm. You know, Monopoly, you know, those those hundred dollar oh, bills. <laughs> Uncle, oh, Uncle Brian is, has give, a lot of money on yeah, this one. <laughs> the key is you give the kids a dollar of your bet. And then all of a sudden they think Ooh. it's the coolest thing. I did this last Damn. year. My nephew was freaking out. He's like, I'm going to get a dollar. The Broncos won by six. And it's like, let's go, dude. And then when they don't get it, you go, and kids, this is the tough life lesson that you will all inevitably do on your own time at some point. It's a win-win. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Teach them young. And maybe they won't turn into gamblers. Or oh, it's it's like bug, the, <laughs> the, the big cat story where he said he was like 10 years old. And he was in Key West and he saw like a turtle race. They do turtle races in Key West. And he won a hundred dollars because he picked the right turtle. And he's like, and that's the the most defining moment of my life. Was that <laughs> happening? Because it, it got him into gambling, which has now in turn in his, you know, defense, a multi-million dollar career. And he's doing pretty damn good for himself. Uh, so it worked out. Over there with the uh, with the Barstool boys. Yeah, I uh, I got an interesting text from my aunt last week regarding Christmas Eve. I don't know if I shared this with you guys or not, but uh, so people who who listen to this pod who know like my family know that the the Gimple boys um, they're not the the large they're not the tallest or the most brawny. You know, they're not they're not the the most stocky or strong or long and tall gents. Uh, they're all pretty short. <laughs> They're all pretty short. About five, 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 six is probably the average height of the Gimple boys. So now we've we've hit a point with all my cousins, and Christmas Eve is like the the coup de gras, the biggest day of the year for the Gimples. And we still get together with all of my cousins and aunts and uncles. And now a lot of my cousins have had kids of their own. So we have four or five, you know, little kids running around. I think we might even be up to six. And my aunt texted me out of the blue. She said, Jeffrey, you know. Haven't talked to you in a while. Hope everything's good, but I have a favor to ask of you. I said, sure, Aunt Marion, anything you want. You just let me know what you want. She said, do you think you could be Santa Claus this year? And here's the thing, right? This is a common tradition for a lot of people. We've never done Santa Claus on Christmas Eve before, ever. Not once. It's never happened. I don't know where this came from. I don't know why, but she said she has a friend whose husband has a has a Santa costume 
that was fit to to be his size. And he's about six foot one, which is about the same height as I am. And he's a similar build to me. So the costume literally would not fit any of the other Gimple kids. And the only one of my cousins who are tall enough to do it are the ones who have kids. So it's basically like, if I don't do it, then like my five foot seven cousin, Patrick, who's a couple years younger than me, who's a lot shorter than me would have to pretend to be uh, Santa. So naturally I was like, I don't know, I'm going to be drinking and football is going to be on. I'm like, do I want to sacrifice 30 minutes? And I said, I immediately I caught myself and I'm like, what are you doing, dude? It's you're fucking Santa Claus. You get to be fucking hard, Santa yes. Claus. For you can be drunk. Hour. Santa gets drunk. He is a good time. That guy's fun. He's awesome, true. dude. You ever notice how rosy his cheeks and nose get? Yeah. My mm-hmm. che- yeah. my cheeks and nose get rosy when I drink. So yeah. uh, you know, it'll it'll be par for the course. Uh, I'll just probably need to pop a mint. <laughs> Otherwise, the kids are gonna be like, why does yeah. Santa's breath smell so weird? <laughs> why uh, is Santa <laughs> just yelling about his parlay like Jeff had? Like <laughs> <laughs> that's crazy. Cousin Jeff. Wait a minute, and then I've ruined a kid's <laughs> uh, Santa. Uh, for the record, if any kids are listening, this Santa's totally real, and I'm just going to be filling in for him. Shout out to Jeff Martz because I think you're probably the only listener that might be worried about this. Um, but yeah, no, I uh, Santa's totally real, and I'm going to be his filling in for him since he's going to be getting ready to fly around the world to give out presents. He's got his own job. Yeah, no, this is Christmas Eve. You know, right. Santa, Santa's work starts at midnight Christmas night, you know, so it's well, just. And that's in, in with the time zone. If you guys don't track him on the iPad, there's an app for that. He starts in New Zealand and all that in Japan so much earlier than you guys think. So we think it's Christmas Eve, but he's working. Yeah, he's that already working. Yeah, he's he's yeah. on the clock. He's busy. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but yeah, so I'm going to be Santa Claus on Christmas Eve. I'm going to dress up. And pretend to be Santa Claus, I should say, on Christmas Eve, um, which will be very, very fun. And uh, and then, you know, we'll we'll see where the night goes from there. But uh, it's an honor. It won't be the first time I've donned the Santa outfit. Uh, the first time I ever did that was uh, for a little Santa con. <laughs> yeah. Um, no, it was for a, a charity event we did when I was in high school. And we used to work with inner city schools in Philly and we would fundraise and do a massive tour drive. And then a select group of kids from our high school would go to an inner city school in in Philly and we'd hand out toys and we'd spend the day with them. And they asked me to be Santa Claus for that. So I got to go around to each uh, classroom and hear, you know, 20 to 30 kids scream at the top of their lungs, Santa, um, which is actually I very. Him. Yeah, exactly. It was a very moving <laughs> event. I had a little girl gave me a letter uh, and she said, here, Santa, take this. And I took it. And uh, I read it and I kept it in my wallet for the longest time until the paper literally started to disintegrate because it was like one of the most crazy moving things. So, uh, yes, getting the opportunity to be Santa Claus is a big deal. So I am excited. Um, Just funny that it's like we've been doing the same traditions in the Gimple Christmas household for for before I was born, 30 plus years, you know, and now we're just now we're (laughs) saying, fuck it, Santa's coming. Okay. Well, wait, this this room full of five, five, you know, short kings, which is all my all my family members and and the one or two really tall giants. And I get to be one of one of those today. So it'll be fun. Uh, Super excited for the holidays. And uh, we're going to have a great pod. So we're going to have this pod. And then I think Christmas Day night, 
Uh, I'm going to probably record solo. I mean, I'd, I'm not going to pressure you guys onto it. So it might just be me to run through some of the action that we had. Might wait till the 26th during the day so we can get a recap on the the Niners Ravens game, which is the game that most people are waiting for. So we'll, we'll figure out a time. We're going to make it all work, but yeah. uh, we're going to make sure that we get some good, some good stuff. Vito's, oh, Vito's holding his Taco Bell hot sauce bottles. As most grown men have around the holidays. You got it. Don't this, you? Is, this is what I'm doing for, this is what I'm getting siblings. So Oh, you bought them bottles? To get... <laughs> bottles of Taco Bell hot sauce? Don't tell me you wouldn't love that. <laughs> You know, if somebody I'm, put that in my stocking. I would be very happy. I'll, I'll be honest. This this is probably one of my hottest takes. I'm not a big fan of the hot sauces from Taco Bell. That's a bad take. What? That's a really fuck? bad take. I look, it's subjective. So you can tell me it's a bad take all I want. I'm just telling you. I know. I'm my, just shocked. I don't. Yeah. I just don't think that's a. I don't think that happens. Well, often. I'll I'll like, say this. I got introduced oof. into Taco Bell very late in life. So it really wasn't until like college that I started to really appreciate Taco Bell, and more so into my early 20s. Um, as I'm now, are you a 20. hot sauce guy in general? I like, I like like good Buffalo sauce. I don't like okay. crazy. I don't like crazy heat. I like the, I've gotten to the point that like, I really enjoy the flavor of a really good, like classic, like Buffalo sauce and like different varieties of that. Um, but like, even like Tabasco, I'm like, that's eh, all right. I'll mix When I make Buffalo chicken dip, I'll mix a little bit of that in there. Um, but to me, like when you get to the point where it's spice is overpowering the flavor, then you lose me because I'm like, I want I want some of the flavor. You know, I want to I want to know what I'm eating, not just feeling the burn. Um, and some people just, you know, they need the spice to feel something. And around the holidays, that's very normal. So uh, <laughs> that's a great gift. You know, I, I love that, um, <laughs> you know, but it's it, look, I totally I know the phenomenon behind the Taco Bell hot sauce. All right. Like, I, I, I totally understand it. Just not not what I would you know go for. I'd say if you put a bottle of, like Chick-fil-A sauce in my stocking. There we go. Uh, yeah, that'd be that. That to me would be like the equivalent. Like I, I could put Chick Fil A sauce on a shoe, and eat it. You know, um, fun fun side story. Probably the grossest thing I've ever eaten when I was, you know, poor college kid. I opened up my fridge one day, and the only thing I had in there was a jar of peanut butter, a loaf of bread, and two uh, packets of Chick Fil A sauce. And yes, I made a sandwich of bread, peanut butter, and Chick Fil A sauce. Uh, might have been inebriated. Yeah, I was gonna say might have been inebriated a little bit, um, and it still was one of the best, uh, you know, drunk sandwiches I've ever had in my life. So, uh, here, there you go for all of our uh, college kids listening out there who are looking for a cheap and affordable drunk snack. I, we should <laughs> we should start like a, you know those like the the food websites that like the food blog websites that always come up with the fun oh, recipes, yeah. and fun videos. It'd be a really funny bit. If you did like a like a joke version of that, right, like a satirical version where it's just for like drunk college kids, like you come home oh and you like slap the peanut butter on there real messy and same thing with the Chick-fil-A sauce and you oh. leave everything messy at the end. That'd be Jeff, fun. I did I was, oh, no. Do we have a mic incident? Cut. Did it? Can you not hear, I can hear you? Oh, interesting. That was weird. Technology's weird. We're back. That's We're the back. sign that we we need to jump into football right there. That's that's what that's saying. Zoom told us, hey, you've you've bullshitted yeah. long enough. Let's jump into football. So let's do that. We'll start with Thursday night football, a game with uh, legitimate playoff implications for the NFC. Saints at Rams. The Rams are four and a half point favorites in this game, and uh, I'm going to con- continue with my trend of I don't trust the Saints. And to be honest, we haven't seen the Saints play too many 
really like good teams this year. And I think the Rams might be at the top of the list of the best teams that they've played. If you go down the list, right, they've played Tennessee. They've played Carolina. The whole NFC South knows bad. Green Bay earlier in the year. Houston, they played Jacksonville, the AFC South. Uh, Chicago, Minnesota, Atlanta. Detroit is probably the best team they've played. They lost that game 33-28. to And that's about it. So there's an argument to be made that the Rams are the best or second best team that this Saints team has played all all year. Anytime they've played a team that is definitely, you know, Jacksonville, they lost 31 to 24. Anytime they've played a team with a lot of talent that's kind of at that next level, they have struggled. So to me, this feels like a very confident all in on the Rams minus four and a half. Don't love the line. It's kind of in the Vegas zone, but I love the way this Rams team's been playing. Kyron Williams has been awesome running the football and uh, the Saints defense started off really hot to begin the season. But again, they haven't been tested with a lot of really good offenses. But when they played top 10 offenses in Detroit and Jacksonville, they gave up 30 plus points. I think the same thing happens here. So I'm going to take the Rams minus four and a half to kick us off here. Oh, man. Um, listen, we still need to see Jameis. And until we do, I'm betting against the Saints every time I can. So... I'm going with the Rams too. The offense is just good, man. Like they're finally getting into rhythm. It's kind of wild that like the Rams could get hot and be a team that like frustrates a team at least at minimum. So uh, in the playoffs is what I'm talking about, but I- I'm going to go with the Rams as well here. Uh, just not a lot of faith in saints. And that's about it. Like, I, I think, I think they're going to be a team that's maybe looking for a new head coach. Um, even though they are seven and seven, but I, I-, I don't know. We'll see what happens here. Um, I could see something happening down there with the frustrations of some New Orleans fans. Yeah, uh, dude, you you guys are are just mind readers. Look, uh, all of a sudden, like the the Rams are eight five and one against the spread, and maybe that's because they they uh, Vegas undervalued them for as good a team as they they are here in Week sixteen. Meanwhile, Derek Carr goes down to New Orleans. All they do is they're four nine and one against the spread. They're supposed to win the the South. Uh, they're supposed to be the best team in the NFC South, and they're four nine and one against the spread. McVeigh all time five and two on Thursday night, six and one on short weeks, three and zero oh at home on short rest. Dennis Allen is zero and two on Thursday night football. The Saints on offense have scored the tenth most points over the last four games. The Rams, however, are the third best team on offense over the last four games with one hundred and thirty two points. The Saints defense is sixth in total points on uh, points allowed on defense. Uh, they're good in the red zone uh, on defense, but the Saints are 24th in rush defense. So I think the Rams, with their running game, are going to be able to pound the rock with Kyron Williams and open up some of that, uh, some of the double high sevens, the in routes, the the deep uh, in routes that you see from uh, from Puka Nakua and uh, and Cooper Cup. That'll open a whole lot of that up uh, it, it, on the inside of the field. And uh, I don't know, man. It's 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 wild to me. Ninety one percent of the money is going uh, toward the toward the uh, toward the Rams right now. I think this is a Christmas gift uh, that Vegas has given us. And by God, I'm going to take it and accept it willingly. Give me the Rams and an absolute lock this week. You know, I was Ooh. really close to locking them in too. The the only reason I didn't is because the Saints have seem or yeah the Saints have seemingly screwed me at every single turn in any game. I feel like they're out of it. They they, you know, or they they're they're gonna lose, they'll find a way to win. Um, but I I I've said this for a while now. I, I do think the Rams are a legitimately good football team. Uh, and at the very least, even if the talent doesn't line up to it, 
the coaching job that McVay has done this year has been so impressive because this team is, is I think, one of the least talented teams he's ever had in terms of being the head coach. And I feel like they've gotten the amount of talent that they are and success that they've had out of the lack of talent has been so unbelievably impressive. So uh, I'm, I, I flirted with it too, Scotty, when I looked through the, the lines, but uh, I just, I, the saints have it out for me this year. So I can't, I can't entertain that. You know, I got to keep myself away from it. Um, but yeah, I like that. We're all on the Rams. All right, let's move and now to, and Scotty locked it. Let's move to Saturday. We have two games on Saturday, Bengals at Steelers and bills at chargers. We'll start off here. Cincinnati, a three point favorite on the road in Pittsburgh. This is where the Mike. So Mike Tomlin and the Steelers have dropped oh, yeah. three. What's I that? Say, I got two and a half or two. Uh, this is this one's all over the place, it, depending on the app you use. Just so fans are out there, if you like one team or the other, look around for the bet because this has been everywhere. Like, yeah, I've seen it literally minus two, minus two and a half, three. So it's all over. Yeah, right now I I see from between FanDuel and the ESPN bet they're at minus three. So ESPN's those are two and a half. I'm looking at it right now. No, the ESPN unless bet it's app. changed since we moved it. It could have. Oh, it did. So, it did, dude. Literally since the time. That's what I mean. It's nuts. Yeah. In yeah. the 15 minutes we've been recording, it just moved down to two and a half. So, well, hey, we can call that at, at Cincinnati two and a half if we're all in agreement with it. I would love to because I'm locking those fuckers up. <laughs> well, okay. All right. Get I'm locking the, the bangles because here's the deal. Um, the, the Steelers have ran the ball better and I their defense just objectively is better. But I'm loving Jake Browning. I love what they're doing. They're making the game easy for him. Um, now Jamar Chase is going to be out uh, still, but I, I still like this team. T Higgins showed what he freaking was in the last two weeks. That dude is that touchdown that he had last week yeah. was incredible. Maybe I'm riding that high. I don't know, but I'm taking the Bengals and I'm locking them if it's under three. And that's why I was pushing for that. But for real, this is a huge game for them. They're eight and six Steelers are seven and seven. The Steelers that full always been above 500 or, or 500 or better. I should say. Uh, but I, I think the Bengals, even though it's divisional and it could easily go the Steelers way, I think the Bengals do it, go ahead and hang tough. They haven't played Jake Browning yet, so that's also a little different when it's divisional and you have a new quarterback and they're going to call the offense a little differently. I'm going to go ahead and take the Bengals and lock them up. Yeah, um, which, look, I I think that's how most of the public is going to go. And the, But then again, like a lot of people put money on that line move to – since he minus, you know, are to Pittsburgh plus three. And that's where that, that line starting to shift. Right. Um, I gotta say, like, I, I kind of feel like I have to ride with Pittsburgh in this game. Um, two and a half point underdogs are at home. It, it's, you know, the not quite Christmas Eve, but the Christmas Eve Eve, right. It's, it's Christmas weekend. Mason Rudolph looked a lot better than Mitch Trubisky did. And over the course of his career as a backup, Mason Rudolph has not been bad at all i think losing jamar chase and just what it does from a defensive scheming point is a really big win for the steelers i think the steelers feel confident being like hey we're going to put joey porter jr on the outside with t higgins and we're going to roll our dice there because you know joey porter jr has been really really physical i don't think t higgins likes that matchup much at all but at some point like i don't know if there's ever been a stretch in mike tomlin's career that he's lost four games in a row and they've lost three in a row. They have not looked great, but this feels like the most quintessential Mike Tomlin Steelers spot 
if they don't win this game, then it's like, whoa, okay, this is like this is like a serious spot here where like Mike Tomlin's dropped four in a row from a team that looked like they were going to slide their way into the postseason. I'm going to take the Steelers here because they are also fighting for their playoff lives. They know they're going to get Kenny Pickett back. The offense has looked better. They're able to run the football. That Bengals defense has been really tough, but I do think this game comes down to about a field goal. Not going to lie. I like the line better when it was Bengals minus three, but I'm still going to roll with the Steelers plus two and a half in this game because it just if, – if Mike Tomlin doesn't get the most out of his team in this game and pull off a win, divisional stuff, this is just like quintessential Mike Tomlin shit right here then there's some serious problems. So I'm going to roll with the Steelers plus two and a half. Yeah, and you're talking about the effort thing that we that's been going around about George Pickens not wanting to block on that play, right? Mm-hmm. And that goes back to the week before when we were talking about has the Steeler way died. And so this is the moment for Mike Tomlin, like you said, Jeff, to get everything out of his team. Uh, they played each other week 14. The Steelers ran up and down the Cincinnati defense in that game. And that was with DJ Reader in the lineup. He is out on IR with a quadricep injury. He's the linchpin of that, that the center of that interior offensive line that helped stop the run. And they weren't even that good with him. They were 26th in EPA allowed per handoff and got 4.7 yards per carry, which was 31st in the league on defense. The Steelers are two and two against the spread as a home underdog this year. But it, it, incredibly, like as a home dog, Mike Tomlin is 16, six and three against the spread. This game's at home. Uh, uh, sorry, he's 16, 16, 6, and 3 against the spread at home when he's an underdog. And I'm going to take him here. And you can lock that shit in, Vito. Give me the Steelers in a lock as well. Back-to-back locks for Scotty. Jeez. I like it, Scott. Uh, I'm I, Two things that I wanted to do, but again, I actually, I'm with you, though, Vito. Like, I like the way this Bengals team's been playing. I like the way that they kind of tackled adversity in that game against uh, Minnesota last week on a Saturday. The Bengals do get a full week off since they would go Saturday to Saturday. The Steelers are playing on a day's rest or a one one less day of rest uh, in this game. But it's a uh, it's a bold bold car. Also, I want to say real quick, update everyone on the scores. Should have done this before we got into the picks. But um, so far overall, Scotty eighty five, eighty three, and thirteen. We had was it three three pushes last week. Um, so, so far on the season, we're up to 14 pushes, which is insane. I, I don't think we've ever had this many pushes in a season since we've been doing the pod. Uh, Vito is at a perfect 500 record of 77, 77, and 10. And I am leading the way uh, in the uh, overall picks, 114, 94, and 14. And then we go to the locks. Uh, so we had some debate about this because Scotty and Vito are still catching up. I forgot last year we did use a winning percentage calculator because I found it in my past searches when I lo- was just looking it up. So we can do win percentage. What else and did tying you find? Ties in there. Hey, 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 yo. Hey, yo. Um, I'm going to move on from that. Uh, but we uh, we decided we're actually going to do a point value system this year. So uh, you because the locks and how many pushes we've had, have completely changed how the whole dynamic works. So the way we're doing is you get one point for a win, half a point for a push, zero points for a loss. So as of right now, Scotty, after a perfect 4-0-1 week with his five almost locks. Almost perfect. Almost perfect. Damn bangles. The push, the push still gets you a half point. A I was a Trey Hendrickson week. fingertip away offside <laughs> call from being perfect off that pick six. Uh, but Scotty is at 19-20-2, so he is at 20 points. 
Uh, in second place, we have Vito, who is 21, 14, and 4, and he is at 23 points. And I'm in first place at 22, 17, and 3. So Vito went 1, 1, and 2. I went 2, and 1. Uh, so Vito currently in second, 23. I'm at 23 and a half. Uh, and Vito has to do a five lock week uh, and a four lock week in the next two weeks. And Scotty has to do at least one more four lock week in the next two weeks. We're not doing locks uh, in terms of you can't do an extra lock in week 18 because of the people resting starters and stuff. We, we feel like it's an unfair advantage. Um, so we're all going to pick three locks in that week, but no one gets an extra one in week 18. Um, so, uh, but yeah, after the next two weeks, we'll all be evened up. Um and we're getting close. We're getting under the wire right now. Just a half point lead. And Scotty's only three back. So a lot can change here over the next couple of weeks, especially since Scotty has that one extra pick he gets to make here moving forward. Um, so, yeah, let's uh, let's get on. Scotty, two locks in. Vito has one. I'm still off the board. And we move to the Saturday night game. Bills at Chargers. Uh, first game in the post-Brandon Staley era. Uh, Scotty. What are you thinking here? Bills 12 and a half on the road. That's a large number. Do we Huge. bet do we bet on the interim coach after the Bills are coming off of a massive win here? No, this is this is one usually I'd I'd be all over that and be like, this team is galvanized. They are ready to go. I would say that if they had Justin Herbert healthy and Austin Eckler healthy and Keenan Allen healthy, who's not going to be in this game, that offense is going to be atrocious. Easton stick, as good as he looked. For the first week, uh, that that whole team looked terrible last Thursday, and I think now you've got some tape on them. It's going to get figured out, kind of similar to what happened to Tommy DeVito, um, unfortunately. And that defense, I don't know what that defense is, right? And, and without Brandon Staley, I don't think they're any different than than they are with him. So uh, this is a team you can run all over. That's been the strength of the Bills lately is letting James cook and – I think they go off in this game. I think 12 and a half is easy. I'm flirting with locking this. I want to hear what you two guys have to say about the bills uh, before I, before I uh, lock it in for sure, for sure. But I'm, I'm still going to take the bills regardless uh, in this one. It's, it's a lot of points for, again, the coach being fired and everything. I, I am leaning, like you make a good point of the injuries and everyone being out, but I don't think the players on the field, like, it matters, but this is still the NFL. They're all really good. I think if you have a team that's juiced up, really fighting for their jobs, it means a lot. But the problem is the Bills are fighting for the playoffs. I'm taking the Bills. I think they're going to keep their foot down, and they are going to run it out in the second half. Uh, I think they can get this done. I like the fact that it's under um, under 14. Um, but this is definitely one of those like early – it feels like when Miami was having huge spreads and then like – they get ahead. Like I can see the Bills getting ahead. And the Chargers just backdoor covering at the end of the game. 12 and a half is a lot for the NFL, but I'm still going to go Bills. Yeah. I will not lock because of the amount of points. Yeah, I'm with you. I love the Bills, but I'm not going to lock it in just because 12 and a half is a lot and you just never know. Josh Allen has a day where he throws three picks and all of a sudden you're like, wait, why is this a touchdown game? Yeah. Why is Easton Stick moving the ball? Um, that being said, I do think the Bills are, are in – like – the way they've been playing football for the last month has been like as good a football as anybody's playing in the NFL, not named the San Francisco 49ers. And I would argue that it's it's on par with what we've seen from the Niners in a lot of ways. And they're doing it in so many different ways. I'll say this. The Chargers run defense is absolutely terrible. 
And if they were able to do that against that front, against Dallas last week running the football, Josh Allen only needed 95 yards passing for them to absolutely demolish the Cowboys. Just bullying. The entire line is moving the entire defensive line like 18, 20 yards downfield. Yeah. And look, there's, you know, Sebastian Joseph Day is a really good interior defensive lineman. Um, And obviously, you know, Khalil Mack, Bosa. I don't know if Bosa's playing in this game or not, but – uh, there are guys along that defensive line that scare you, but at the same time, I just I don't think they have the horses to hang with the Bills O line. I'm with you that I kind of flirted with the lock here, but I think because we've seen this Bills team be so Jekyll and Hyde, this is a game that I expect them to cover this spread, but I'm not going to lock it in because a lock here yeah. seems a little too rich for my blood. Yeah, no, that's kind of where I'm at too, and with the over under being at 43 and a half is like or 44, you can get it in some places. Uh, that to me is like, and then you look at the spread at 12 and a half and you're like, well, now how's that going to work? Of course it did last week against the, uh, against a good defense in the Cowboys. But again, that's a, a, a different scenario entirely with how the Cowboys have been playing on the road. So yeah, I'm with you. I, I it is a lot for me to lock it. Uh, I think I will refrain. I have a number of candidates, uh, the bills included, uh, but I'll, I'll, I'll leave it as a, as a pick for the bills. No lock. All right. I like it. All right. Let's move to the Sunday games. We're going to start off here with a spread that makes no sense in my mind. Uh, And we're going to start off this right now. The Atlanta Falcons are two and a half point favorites over the Indianapolis Colts. And you can go ahead and put my first lock in of the week. The Indianapolis Colts are going to win this game. Uh, they are like they, they first of all, they're good enough that I think the Colts can beat anybody. They've beaten the Ravens this year. I think they really can hang with any team that's not San Francisco. Uh, they are so well coached. They're so well schemed. Shane Steichen is the football footballist football guy. I feel like I've seen in a long time. Like this dude, <laughs> everything about him is just eat, sleep, breathe football. And I told the story that you know Jason Kelsey shared on his podcast about you know like. Shane Steichen waking up at two o'clock in the morning on, on Thanksgiving night to text Jason Kelsey about, Hey, remember this play we were skimming here, but what if you pulled into the a gap instead of the B gap? Or what if you spread this? What if your stance was a little bit different here? Like he is obsessed with the minutia and I'm sorry at this point in the year with what we've seen from the Falcons, there's just no reason to expect that this Falcons team is going to remain competent. And that Desmond Ritter is not going to turn the football over. Anytime Desmond Ritter is because is going to be a starting quarterback for you, you can basically pencil in two turnover two turnovers easy. And Gardner Minshew has done a really good job for the most part this Ritter, season of not. Is Ritter not starting? They swap quarterbacks. Heineke's oh. officially starting this game. Yeah. Well then, maybe oh. that. My, okay, maybe okay. I'm not going to lock this in then. Just I'm remove, I, yeah, I wanted to. I wanted to give you lock. the advantage. That's good, that's good to know because I did not know that. I'm going to remove yeah. my lock status of this game. I am still going to pick the Colts. Because I am a believer of the Colts. Because you could probably say the same thing about Heineke over the course of his career, that he's good for at least one interception and one weird play that, that ends up being a fumble or, or whatever. Um, but with Heineke in there, I I do – okay, I understand the line a little bit better because I just, I just think Heineke's – and the numbers support, and that's probably why a lot of the models are saying, hey, like – Atlanta should be favored here because Heineke starting instead of Ritter is significantly is a significant upgrade for this Atlanta team. And now they're fighting to keep their season alive. I'm still picking the Colts. I love the I love this Colts team. I've been riding with them all year. They get Jonathan Taylor back in this game. I think the defense has been the quiet story. We've talked so much about Gardner Minshew and Michael Pittman Jr., who is not going to be playing in this game after the nasty hit he took last Saturday. Um, 
But I like, I just, I love this, this Colts team and they just find different ways to beat you over and over again. And I like Heineke. I I don't see Heineke winning this game because I think the Colts defense has been the unsung hero of, of the NFL so far in terms of like, we talk about a lot of different sides of the ball, like the Houston Texans offense is why they've won so many of these games. The defense has helped out, but like the Colts defense has been so awesome and People just have not talked about it throughout the season. So I'm going to still ride with the Colts. I'm removing my my lock tag, uh, and I'll, I'll toss it to you guys then after that. I'm not removing shit. This is a lock. Colts are going to win this game. I love Gardner Minshew. I love the defense, to your point. I, I think Heineke, uh, or, like that whole situation is going to be good. Uh, but I, I still just believe in the Colts. I don't know, man. Like Maybe that's the breath of fresh air the Falcons need, but uh, I'm, I'm going to ride with the Colts here. And I love what they're doing. Offense, defense, special teams. Hottest team in the league not named the San Francisco 49ers is the Indianapolis Colts, who've won five out of the last six, four and two against the spread on the road. Uh, I love the Colts here. Uh, even with Heineke at quarterback, I, I think if there is a way for the Falcons to do it, it's in the run game. Uh, the Colts allow 127 and a half yards per game on the ground. And everybody's bitching and moaning, rightfully, by the way, in Atlanta about why the hell are you still not giving Bijan the ball? Because when you give him the ball, we've been really good. And then you go into a game last week against the Panthers, who have been really bad against the run for as good as that entire defensive bit has been. And they don't give Bijan the ball like at all. So uh, I think the recipe for the Falcons has to be run the ball and establish everything and then let Taylor Heineke do his thing because he's so good at just like making the pocket move and slinging the ball. Um, so I think that's the way to do it. I just think Gardner is going to be better at that uh, moving the ball, especially with Jonathan Taylor back in the lineup. Uh, Josh Downs has, has been a, a capable wide receiver for the Colts all season long without Michael Pittman. Um, so I think, man, I'm so close. To, yeah, screw it. Lock it. Give me the Colts. Oh, another look. Scotty coming out with three, almost four straight locks. Yeah. I like this. Scotty's coming out hot today. Uh, It's what we need. It's what we need. All right. Uh, Let's move on to the next game. We have the Seattle Seahawks after a great Monday night win. We'll get to that and my thoughts on that when we talk about the Eagles later on. Um, Seahawks minus three against the Titans. Geno Smith is back. Um, Kenneth Walker fully healthy. That dude's a fucking problem. And this line seems insultingly low to a Seahawks team that I think has all the talent in the world, but has definitely laid eggs in big moments. I don't think this is another one. I mean, look, I mean, Will Levis is a, a maybe at best to play in this game, in which case they're going to have to go back to Tannehill, which we've seen that game. We've, we've, you know, Tannehill hit the cliff this year from being like a solidly productive quarterback to like, you really can't play this guy anymore. Um, there's very limited offensive weapons. Derrick Henry talking about that might be the last time he wears a uniform, you know, in in Tennessee this year. It seems like he's one foot out the door. So I love the Seahawks in this game. And if I couldn't lock in the Colts after knowing that about Desmond Ritter, I'm going to lock it, lock in the Seattle Seahawks because they have that taste right now, right? They know they're right there, and all they have to do is win their games, right? And understandably, it's going to be hard to do, but if they're going to do it, this is a game that they have to get done. Getting Geno back, I mean, the offense was still able to move the ball, um, albeit against a pretty bad Eagles defense, but they were still able to move the ball pretty well, especially in big leverage moments. 
minus three seems like way too few few points for the Seattle team. Geno's a much better quarterback against uh, than than Drew Locke, and Drew Locks was able to <laughs> Drew Locks Drew Locke was able to to move the ball here. Um, I just I, I there's too many weapons for this offense to not be able to move the ball against one of the worst defenses in the NFL and the Titans. And I have no confidance that the Titans are going to be able to score points in this game unless Geno gives the ball back. That's the only way that that happens. And I think based off of Geno's history, he's not someone who turns the ball over a ton. He has his moments just like any quarterback, but I really love Seattle in this game. Minus three seems way too low. So lock into Seattle Seahawks minus three in this game. Man, I I like it. Um, I'm going to join you. I, I just think this team is really good. Hell, I don't even care if it's Drew Locke out there. I think him or Gino can run this offense. Um, this is this is the exact kind of setup. Um, but to your point that the Titans might look for, I mean, they're going to run the ball a lot. feels like with Derrick Henry might be, to your point, his last game there. There's a lot of, of hype around that side of it, but the Seahawks just had a great game. They could have a letdown for sure, and this seems like a game where uh, – um, where Vrabel will get his team up and ready to go. Like that's this is kind of what he does. I just think that this Seahawks team with Pete Carroll and who knows how long he's still going to be a coach. They've been rolling. Um, I I don't think that game was an exhausting win for them last week. It was good, but you know what I mean. It wasn't like an overtime long game where they got beat to shit. Like both teams beat each other up. So yeah, I I think we're going to be good there. And I'm going to join you in the lock with the Seahawks. Ooh, all right, Scotty, are you are you are you with us? Podlock? Not in the lock. On your boys? I, I've On done that <laughs> three times with the Seahawks before this year, and they've screwed me every time. So screw them too. Give me the Titans minus, or plus three because the Titans don't blitz. And that is what is makes Geno a, a less effective quarterback is when you don't blitz. Give me the Titans minus three. I think this is actually a huge push candidate for me. Um, if I'm picking any of the games to be a push, uh, I, I do think it comes down to a field goal. Uh, even even with all the stakes, but this is like the second to last game in Tennessee. Uh, you know these guys are going to be fighting for Braves, uh, no matter no matter how uh, ugly the game gets in in Nashville. Because um, who knows if he's going to be there? Who knows if Derrick Henry's going to be there next year? I think this is one of the emotional type of wins that you look at this score and you're like, what the Titans actually kept it close against a team that's fighting for their lives uh, that went on the road. Don't blitz. Let Gino try to 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 make plays with with good coverage downfield against DK Tyler and 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 JSN and uh, and I think the Titans cover. All right, bold move. I like it. Uh, up next, Lions three point favorites at Minnesota. This is the first time this year that we're going to see the Lions and Vikings play. First time in the next three weeks they play here, and then they play in Week 18. Uh, the Lions with a win cement the NFC North. So this game's going to have a lot of juice from the uh, Detroit Lions. And I'll be honest, I really, really love the Lions here. The one hesitation I have is the way that this Brian Flores defense has been schemed and all the talk about he created an entirely new defense with the zone and the zone blitzing and all these different things he's doing that's never been done before. I don't know. Jake Browning did a pretty good job in the second half against that team. They kind of figured it out at halftime. And then they were able to move the ball pretty damn well. However, we have seen games where it's like when Jared Goff isn't seeing it, this Lions offense is a massive problem. And on the Jared road Goff, too, especially yeah, turn the ball over. Now they both play in domes. So, you know, you're not too, you're not, we're not worrying about winter time, Jared Goff playing out in the cold or whatever. 
you know, with, with when Jared two gloves comes out. Um, so I'm going to stick with what my gut tells me, which is, I think the lions went through and, and I'll say this. I was thinking about this today, actually, because what I've been impressed with the lions outside of that game against Baltimore, when they got absolutely obliterated, the lions have showed up in big games. Like I, I wouldn't consider Thanksgiving a big game in terms of the team and talent that they're playing, right? Like if you're talking about playing up or playing down to your competition, that's what I'm referring to here, right? I'm not referring to saying like playing up to the level of the Green Bay Packers because they're a better team than the Packers, right? But it feels like this Lions team, after having gone through some adversity up and down, whether it was the Chiefs game week one, right? Like we've seen this Lions game, this Lions team find ways in big moments to kind of pull through. And it feels like now that Sam Laporta doesn't feel like a rookie tight end. It doesn't feel like Jack Campbell feels like a a rookie linebacker. Jameer Gibbs is averaging almost six yards a carry right now. I I feel like this Lions team has found their identity going into the home stretch before the playoffs. And the Vikings, on the other hand, have been reeling. And they went from, oh my God, Josh Dobbs, and look at this. He comes in here and the amazing wins and and the stuff he did where it's like, could the could the Vikings be a comeback team where they could figure out a way they could potentially win this game and win the seat, you know, find a way to come back and win the NFC North? Oh, they have two games in the last three against the Lions. Could they catch up? I think all of that has kind of gone out the window at this point. They have a three-game lead over the Vikings in the uh, NFC North. The Lions win this game. The North is theirs. I think they do it. I think they win convincingly, and I'm taking the Lions as my second lock of the week. I love that. And and I love the fact that that this game will go a long way to uh to fulfilling destiny uh of the NFL of Matthew Stafford going to Detroit to play a playoff game against the two seated Detroit. How Lions. fun would that be? That would be incredible. And he'd throw for five hundred yards and lose in the last second because that would come to a game winning drive. <laughs> or would, the, or the, would he break the hearts of Detroit fans by winning in Detroit? And then all of a sudden Detroit's like fucking Jared. The first, nah. finally Matt Stafford comes up big nah. in the stadium in a big moment, which he no, did they, plenty they, of times. But they've got all the pieces uh, from that trade that are going to uh, to to win that game anyway. Um, in any case, I think this is you're right, Jeff. I think this is where, uh, especially as well as the Lions' defense played last week. This that was a defense who we were questioning for for a few weeks there, um, with with how poorly they played. And then all of a sudden last week, they just showed up and everybody was involved on the back end. You're getting CJ GJ back, which is huge. Brian Branch has been huge on the back end making plays. I think this defense is going to limit uh, the amount of of, of structure and, and and move ability of, of that Vikings offense as good as Nick Mullins looked last week on the road. Um, he'll be at home. I think this is going to be huge juiced uh, or huge juice game uh, from the jump. Uh, you're right. And a one o'clock kick. It's just like this is what you want in December. There are games like this. Uh, but I think the Lions uh, on both ends are going to be talented enough. Uh, Jared Goff, all he has to do is not make mistakes, right? Just be consistent. Don't make mistakes. Give Jameer the ball. Give David Montgomery the ball. Find Amon Ra, and you're good to go, man. That's been the MO all week or all year. And then you find your your secondary receivers and Sam Laporta, uh, like you said. So uh, I'm on the Lions as well. Flirted with this as a lock, too. But uh, a tight divisional game with so much on the line like this, I'm going to leave it. But I will take the Lions minus three. Yeah, I'm not going to flirt with this. I'm I'm proposing. 
Lions, baby. This is easy. Only three points. I feel like this team is so good. To your point, like the offense, yeah, when they're not there, it's great. They've mostly showed up. And even when they haven't, they found ways to get it. They have multiple, like, I love this. Because last year, right, we talked about them. And it was like, Amon Ross St. Brown, so incredible. Now with what Gibbs is doing and Sam Laporta, there's, their offense is so dynamic. And they're so multiple in the way they attack you. Now, I think Penny Sewell's out for this game which is a bummer on the left tackle side for them. Like that's going to be big for them, but I still think they have enough to get it. I think they win by three or more. I'm going to lock them up. And not only that, Ooh. like listen, what you're locking it up. Oh, I'm locking this up. 100%. This is a lock. lock. Cause I'll do it. I was close. I, I think you do Scotty. I'm, I'm looking at it. Wow. Pod lock it. Let's go. Wow. I have four locks in six games. I'm, I'm me, and, dude. Scotty's on the same boat. Jeff has two. We're ripping these early ones. We are. And, and honestly, I think these were. This is where a lot of the value is because I think a lot of the games after this, you start to lose a little bit of clarity. Um, but yeah, we're all locked in here. Everyone's taking the Lions minus three, which is probably going to be the kiss of death. So, uh, <laughs> all right, let's move. Believe in something. A Christmas hey, miracle. Hey man, I I believe uh, that nothing is real. And it's a simulation and we're all just trying to exist. I don't know. I don't know what I believe anymore, man. That's what Christmas time is for, right? It's, it's the wonderful life. Do you believe in anything? I don't know. Believe and believe, I suppose, uh, to quote Ted Lasso. Um, But in that same vein of like, who, what's to say for these next couple of games, next game's a good example. The jets are three point favorites over the commanders. Um, I really don't want to touch uh, some of these games at all. Uh, the next two games before we take a break will will be examples of that. The Commanders at the Jets. Jets are a three-point favorite. I feel like we're at the point in the season where the Jets' defense is starting to kind of kind of not give up, obviously, because, no, you don't give up, but it's they're kind of ready to be done with the year. You know, they're mathematically eliminated at this point. We don't know if Zach Wilson's going to play, so it's going to be Trevor Simeon. I, to me, the Jets' offense with Trevor Simeon or whoever they throw out there at quarterback, it could be Joe Namath at this point. I, I don't think anything's going to fucking help. And Rogers, this, eligible. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah, I know. As he did, you see, he came onto McAfee and was like, "Well, no, realistically, it just it's yeah. probably not going to happen." You're like, "Oh, you mean the thing that you you kept saying all year to keep yourself in attention because you're an attention-seeking little bitch." That's 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 where we're at now. Oh, now you mean this thing that we all said was impossible to ever happen, and no one would ever be able to do it. And you were going to be the one that defied all the odds, but you couldn't back it up. Yeah, that's right. Uh huh. Yeah, wasn't making about yourself though. That's one way to look at it. That's one way to look. (laughs) I mean, yeah, he was never coming back ever. If if they made the playoffs, I think he would have came back. I really do. That's my take. Like that's enough. Like it's a short time, but I think that is a possible. I, if I it's another like three four weeks away i think aaron Rodgers, there was an outside chance he could have come back by the playoffs yeah i do believe that 
how and I think he would have had I think knowing Rogers, I do think he's a gamer. I think he would have eventually tried to do it. However, Some and the go. way the way he has spun this story about and, and making it weirdly about how the media is lying about and he just does his weird fucking Aaron Rodgers Fox News weird shit that he does where he just says a bunch of shit and we're like is that true is any of this real is he just saying it to say it to then immediately the for the first time all year when he's been leaving the question open now that they're like all right yeah they're out of the playoffs now he's like well it wouldn't have been a realistic opportunity anyway and it would have been timeout it just some it's fishy the, is what it's you're the way he says yeah. it, not the yeah. realistic outcome of could he have potentially been back there by the fair. playoffs? Yeah, he probably could have tried it, but it's the way he's been spinning it the whole time on McAfee while also telling everybody how he's the victim. That just drives me up a fucking wall with him. I'm like, dude, you don't need to do this. You're literally one of the greatest people, the best quarterback I've ever seen play football. Yeah, you don't careful. have to keep doing this, you know? Um, yeah, it's, it is what it is. But no matter what, no matter who's playing quarterback for this Jets team, Zach Wilson is the best option, which is crazy to say uh, at this point in the season. And he's probably not going to be playing in this game. So now it's can Sam Howell and the offense, which has had moments like they looked good last week against the Rams. Like, are they, or was it, who are they playing this week? Not the Rams. Um, they had they, the Rams. Yeah, it was the Rams. No, it was the Rams. Okay. It yeah, was the Rams yeah. game. Yeah. Where they, they, <laughs> They come back and you think, all right, they have a chance. And Ron Rivera, the clock management is just absolutely terrible. But the Rams' defense is solid. It's obviously not as good as the Jets. But is this the weekend where it's like, all right, playoffs are done for the Jets. They're able to move on. The Jets' defense just doesn't quite show out to the same level that they did before. I don't always think that's I – don't, I don't think that's how NFL players think. I don't think that that's the way they go about it. But I also think there's a human nature element where it's like, hey, we really – the only thing we have to play for is like our next contract. And and so much of the core pieces of that team are under contract and are already like outside of the risk of like making sure they don't get hurt. Like I just don't see this defense being as dominant as they've been. And they didn't look at last week either. So between, you know, a rock and a hard place here, I'm going to take the commanders because they're getting points. And that's really all that I'm, I'm deciding between here with these teams. Because um, we're talking about two of the, you know, one of the worst defenses in the league and the commanders going up against one of the worst offenses in the league. I, I, I just have no idea what to say. So just give me the points and hopefully it works out. Man, I'm on the flip side. I, I'm taking the Jets. And the reason why is because of the commanders defense. Like, yeah. And, and given there's some good quarterbacks I'm going to mention here, but listen to some of these points they've given up recently. 20 to the Rams is not bad. 45 to the Dolphins and, and Cowboys. Again, good offenses. 31 to the Giants and it was DeVito. I get it. Yeah, 29 to the Seahawks, they have 38 to the Eagles earlier. They have 40 to the Bears, 35 to the Broncos yeah. in week two. That was early, and, and we still lost that game. But the commander's defense isn't what it is, and the Jets' defense, I think, will keep it close. I believe that they'll get something going now. The Jets just came off that stinker of 30 to zero. Usually, a team will rebound, you know what I mean, especially going from away to home. I'm going to take the Jets. I like this line actually for them. Uh, I don't think it matters at quarterback who's playing. I think this game, the, speaking of unders, this game, like, again, the commander's 36 a and a half. Yeah. Yeah. But the Jets under. offense is not good. I, I'm an under guy on this game for, for sure. So yeah. watch out. You can, you convince me, Vito. I'm going to take the Jets as well. Um, because one of my, like, one of my things with a lot of these games is you, you take it as you try to simplify it as much as possible. Right. Right. We, we can try to over, over analyze football all we want, but ultimately it's like, Jets defense against because we know again Jets offense commanders defense both are terrible 
that's probably going to be a net zero between the two. It's like the Jets might score a little bit, but they're not going to score a ton because of how bad their mm. offense is. But they'll, yeah. you know, Simeon <laughs> might be able to move the ball a little bit, right? And then it's the commander's offense versus the Jets defense. And out of those four units, who's the best? And it's obviously clearly the Jets defense is the best one. And even if they are a little bit disinterested, they're still so overwhelmingly more talented that I think it's just going to end up being in their favor. So I'm going to switch with you. I'm going to take the Jets, but I'm definitely going to take the under in this game. One of the props I love is Brees Hall over 45 and a half rushing yards. I would hammer the absolute hell out of that. Yeah. Um, The only way that doesn't hit is if they try to just use up Dalvin Cook as much as possible. You know, because they want to uh, yeah, save some tread <laughs> on, you know, they, they're they going to split carries a little bit more because they don't want to put more tread, you know, wear down more of the tread on Brees Hall's tires. But I would agree with you because it's like Brees Hall breaks one, you know, 30-yard run, and then he he has a few other carries to get to 45, yeah. and then boom, you're yeah, there. He's so. at like eight with uh, 70 yards, and you're sitting yeah. pretty. Yeah, um, I'm I'm with you on that, though. I like I like that a lot, Scotty. Um, the I'll Give me the points, though. Screw it. Uh, at this point, this is the Commander Super Bowl, right? They got the Jets this week, and then they have two absolutely non-winnable games to finish the season: Niners at home, and then the uh, Cowboys at home as well. They're not going to win either of those. This is the uh, Commander Super Bowl. Give me the points. Like that's that's what it is. I'm curious here. I'm I'm looking at the. Uh, I want to know if we just look at the overall ranks. So right now the commanders would have the fourth overall pick in the draft. One ahead of the New York Jets. And they don't need a quarterback. So they're in good shape. Uh yeah. And Eric I mean, Bieniemy is going to be their head coach. Yeah, that's going to be interesting. But also, I mean, the Cardinals have a chance to win a game this week. The Patriots could steal a game before the season's done, not likely, but possible. So yeah, I, at this point, if you're the Commanders, you you do not want to win any more football games. Uh, you you want to stay firmly at least at that that four four spot, and this would go a long way in making that happen. All right, uh, last one before we take a quick break. The Green Bay Packers are five point favorites in Carolina. Same over under in this game, thirty six and a half. This is a tough line, dude. Like this is a game that I just don't even want to pick. Um, I think the Packers are just we have it feels like we haven't seen the Panthers play a team that's like they've either played really good teams or really terrible teams within their division over the last month. So I feel like this is like the first time we've seen kind of a testy, weird game. It's like, do the Panthers build off of any of the momentum that they have last year? Again, they're playing with house money. They're not getting the first overall pick. So winning this game is not going to like affect them at all. They're just trying to go out and and play better football every single week. The Packers, not technically eliminated from the postseason yet, but uh, they're not that far away. And a loss in this game would would probably be the last nail. It would definitely be the last nail in that coffin. I think this game's just going to be just forgotten and ugly and weird. And I just, I don't know. I just feel like five points is a lot. But the Packers have played too good of football this year, I think, to not beat this Panthers team you know like Jordan Love is a significantly better player than Desmond Ritter right and and they're not going to be playing in a, in a freaking tsunami like they were playing last week I can't believe I've done it too but just give me the Packers minus five I just I hate that number it's way too many points yeah but I just I can't I can't pick the Panthers even though they're getting six or getting five points at home in this game 
after that home showing and the crowd and everything, like I, I it's just it's got to be tough because it seems like everyone's just given up on the Panthers. Um, and I don't know, they're just not good, really. But it, I mean, they won last week because they kicked three field goals. Just you know what I mean? Like, yeah, it's pretty crazy. And they have kept though, to your point, a couple of the previous games close with like uh, the Bucks a couple weeks ago the bears but i'm also mentioning you know yeah exactly but those are few and far between and once they're close they usually get blown out afterwards don't know why but i'm going to take the packers same way uh as you jeff i just think that i don't like the line but the packers for sure uh are the better team and it's it is a way but it doesn't seem like too much of an away game when you're playing down there and no one's going to the game so uh i'm going to take the packers yeah, for, I'm with you guys. This is just talent on talent, right? At the end of the day, the Packers are still in it. They have a better team. I think this is a big Aaron Jones game because of how uh, how poor the, the Carolina Panthers run defense has been. Uh, but again, like like five points is a lot. You're asking Green Bay to score an extra touchdown, which I think they yeah. can do on a big play, but you got to hit the big play, and that's with a quarterback who's throwing, completing 75% of his passes um, over the last five games uh, with just one turnover. So... Uh, I'm going to take Jordan Love and the Packers as as well as the run game. Uh, like I said, big Aaron Jones game, I think, to uh, to cover the spread by a touchdown. Yeah, no, I'm 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 with you guys. And look, I, I would say the same thing we said about the Panthers is also true about the Packers. They're kind of playing with house money, right? They're they're in a they're in a spot here where they're like, we just want to see Jordan Love play good football. You know, that right. is the future. They're already committed to him next year as the quarterback. They, they have this young team that's going to grow. They're going to go out and get some some young pieces, some guys that can get in free agency. They're going to be in a decent draft spot. Winning this game is not going to drastically change their draft position. Yeah. So, and it's a yeah. much more attractive spot now for a free agent than it was even two years ago. Absolutely. Yeah, no, no, no question. That's We said that when we were talking about T. Higgins. You know, T. Higgins is going to be a free agent at the end of this year, and I don't think Cincinnati is going to end up paying him. So, Houston, Green Bay, teams that could use a guy like that. Yeah. You know, it's an interesting spot for him. Uh, all right, that's half the games. We'll take a quick break. We'll come back on the other side. We'll re, uh, make our picks for the rest of the games, and we'll get you guys on your way to your holiday weekend for all those who celebrate. All right, one more of the 1 o'clock games, and then we will hit the Sunday games as well as Monday's three games on Christmas Day, and we will start with the Cleveland Browns going to the Houston Texans right now. The Browns are a two and a half point favorite. We were just trying to do as much research as we could to try to figure out the most up-to-date info on CJ Stroud. As of now, it does not look great. Still in concussion protocol. Doesn't mean he won't be cleared, you know, Friday, Saturday before the game on Sunday could happen. Seemingly unlikely, unlikely, but I'll say this, even if CJ Stroud does play in this game off of two weeks with no practice, no reps, not a part of the game plan uh, for him to come in and then play this defense would be a really, really tall ask. And the one thing I'm really loving with this Cleveland team is yes, the Joe Flacco story has been great. Yes. We know the defense has been awesome. And we've talked about this part of it a couple of times, but the thing that I really love what this Cleveland team has done, and it's been a staple of Kevin Stefanski since he's been the head coach at Cleveland is the commitment to running the football and getting behind the big horses, working that play action, Old school West Coast football where you can run the, you know, grind the ball up the middle, work your running games to set up your passing game, set up those screens and work those play action shots where you're taking guys like Njoko on those deep cross crossers. 
Uh, Amari Cooper quietly having another phenomenal season. I think he's almost at a thousand yards, if not over a thousand yards already. Uh, so yeah, Cleveland is finding ways to win football games and their defense. Look, if, if it does end up being case Keenum and against this defense, I have a hard time believing, uh, yeah, by the way, Mari Cooper, 985 yards receiving, um, I bet you the Cowboys would love to have him, him there instead of Brandon cooks. Mm -hmm. But, uh, yeah, as, as long as the Cleveland Browns are healthy, <laughs> what do you mean, Scotty? I mean, yeah, but like Brandon cooks is in a solid year too. Along with CD Lamb. Okay. So, like, First I don't know. And then all of a sudden, we're talking about Dak being MVP. I don't know what, like, yeah, like, oh, great. You could have 2,000 yard receivers. Yeah. Sure. I don't know. They're, they're they're Jeff, Amari Cooper's not getting better. 945 Scotty, yards Scotty, with CD Lamb playing Scotty, the way he is. They got a third round pick and one year of Zeke before they cut him for, <laughs> for Amari Cooper. It's one of the worst trades over the last 10 years. I'm not arguing. It's not that. even remotely arguable. Yes, the Cleveland Brown or the Dallas Cowboys would like to have Amari Cooper still as a football player. Not even remotely arguable. <laughs> it's just the money. It's just the, what I don't understand about that was like it made no they could sense. Have kept them, and they had cap room, and they said they didn't. And then they ended up having it. To your point, like the whole Zeke, it was just they they didn't look ahead. And that also, Brandon maybe, Cooks has maybe. had a terrible year. Brandon Cooks has like four hundred yards receiving this season. It's not it's like this is like though. like. It, it is when you could have Amari Cooper comparatively. Yes, it is. Okay. So you're saying Amari Cooper would also have a thousand yards in the Cowboys offense right now if he was with CeeDee Lamb. The way I'm saying I'm saying he would have a lot as he did significantly more yards than Brandon Cooks yeah. and would be a much Cooks better option at wide receiver. Yes. It's not even remotely arguable. Okay. I'd agree. We've seen a lot of What's the argument for Brandon yards. Cooks over Amari Cooper? That's fine. I, it doesn't matter. Like, Brandon Cooks has just had a solid year. Like, that's all I'm saying. He hasn't, though. Like, that's what you want out of your second. Yeah, he is. He's like five touchdowns. And he's come up big when CD's getting doubled. So, like, I don't know. It's not a huge argument. He's not even argument. the number two wide receiver. He's not even the It's not a hill to die on, so I don't even care. Like, give it to Jake Ferguson. Who fucking cares? <laughs> <laughs> it's just a weird take standing Brandon Cooks over, you know, Amari Cooper when they didn't need to trade Amari Cooper. All they had to do was cut Zeke. Uh, that to me is like one of the most. I I still think it's one of yeah, the I would agree with that. moves of all time. Yeah, um, at least over the last few years. Uh, that being said, um, this uh, sorry, the, Amari Cooper has been very good for this team, and since Joe Flacco has been take has taken over quarterback, he's put up pretty big numbers over the last three games, and I expect that to continue. Uh, the Texans, yes, Derek Stingley, great cornerback, second year player. The pass rush has been a little hit or, mit, hit or miss with the Texans. And Brian Cashman, who's been the best defensive player on the Texans, has been banged up, and he's significantly questionable for this game. So we're not sure if he's even going to be able to play in this game. Potential for no C.J. Stroud, potential for no Cashman. No, uh, Nico Collins also listed as questionable. This feels like it's going to be a Browns win all day. I love the Browns in this game, so I'm going to take them two and a half, whether C.J. Stroud plays or not. I love the Browns. So give me the Browns two and a half. I'm a little worried about this. The Browns barely squeaked out the win last week. Flacco looked bad last week. They found a way to win. Now they're playing away from home. Um, man, at two and a half, I'm going to take the Browns. If it was three, I'm taking the Texans, depending on where you go and all that stuff. I'm, I'm going to go with the Browns, but I do not feel confident in this, even without CJ Stroud. They just did. Miles Garrett didn't seem like himself. He he just wasn't a, a game wrecker last week against He's not up, the best man. tackles. Yeah, and then uh, for sure on, on the other side too, like 
I, I like the Texans defense. I think that Derek Stanley Jr. will have like could have an easily another pick with the way Flacco's throwing it around. Um, even on his last drive when he had a couple great throws, they were close, man. Those yeah. were tight. So uh I think I think some young fast players, you're a little surprised at the recovery speed could be the issue for Joe Flacco. But hey, they found a way last week and it was bad weather. At least now they're playing uh down in the dome there. So I don't know. I, I think uh Browns will take this at two and a half, but this is one I betting wise, I'm just staying away from. If CJ Stroud plays, I would probably agree with you. But I to me, Case Keenum against this Browns defense doesn't concern me. Before we before because I want Scotty, I want to know your pick here in a second, too. But I have a gambling related question for you, Vito, because I think you you've been doing this a lot longer than both Scotty and I have. So I'm I'm curious. Like you said, like if the difference between and I've said this before, and we I think we've all referenced this on the pod, but that two and a half to three jump, right? I would love if there was a breakdown as to how many games it really comes down to that half point swing. Like what percentage of games? Because I think that's something that we all talk about when it comes to picking games. We're like, oh, if it was at three, but it's at three and a half, I think I'd like it better at three. Is that something that you think we make up in our head? Or do you think the numbers actually bear it out that that one point or half point swing really makes that much of a difference? That's a great question. I, I honestly think it's it's a lower percentage than people probably think, but the number for some reason that jumped in my head is probably like in between like 13 and 18%, which is a significant amount when you're talking about gambling. Like I think it would probably be, uh, again, in that realm, you're talking like one in six or one in seven games, it comes down to actually mattering. But when you gamble on every single game every Sunday, like I do, like that, you know, hey, let's we're in this. Um, I think especially when you're teasing and stuff like that, right? We always talk about that. Uh, I think getting to a score that's manageable, seven and a half or seven, where you can get a push, a touchdown, um, even four is at a big number of like, okay, if they win by three, I'm still covering three and a half. I, I think that's where it comes into more when you're teasing. But it, on these bets, I personally, that's what I'm thinking. I'm probably like in, in that 13, 18% range. That's that's just purely based off of like a feel. And to yeah, your point, I would con- love to have the statistic. Like I could definitely be wrong on that. It might be 4%. Who knows? I would love to see that statistic. Yeah. Vegas won't share it with us if it helps us. I know that. <laughs> I'm sure I'm sure there's some massive, you know, like analytics nerd gambling yeah. guy who has that number. Who's like, people pay way too much attention to when it's a half point swing one way or another. Because that's ultimately like the human experience and like the human aspect of gambling where it's like, we yeah. think that that hook or whatever matters more than it does. And maybe it's the just psychology the psychology of the market is what they yeah. call it in the stocks. And this is exactly. the psychology of like Vegas gambling. Yeah. A hundred percent. Same exact thing. But I was, I don't know. I was curious if you had any insight on that, but uh, Scotty, what's your pick here? You lean in Browns or Texans? Yeah. Home dogs have had a bad rap uh, over the last couple of weeks and Vegas is one on them. Screw it. I've taken two already. Give me the home dog. Give me the Texans. This is a bet on their defense. Uh, I think more than anything, because in the long run, I think their defense is, is, really a whole lot better than than what their record indicates. And again, this is one of those all season long they've been playing. It doesn't matter who's a quarterback and usually what's with CJ Stroud, but this is one of those teaching moments for D'Amico, right? All season long, they've been sitting there trying to figure out how to develop their players and, and play in certain situations in games, right? And all of a sudden they like, they've passed almost every test and, and have seven wins. So, um, I think this is another one of those situations where like, hey, backup quarterback, tough defense, 
we're at home. They, we're both trying to fight for the playoffs. Figure it out, right? Yeah. And this is a teachable moment. And I think this is another test that they pass uh, and, and the Texans win this game outright. The Texans have had, I think, one of the most fun seasons we've had all season, like all year out of any team. And I think we've all been a fan going around the whole, mm-hmm. like, just following the whole year. Um, the injury bug is hitting them hard right now. Uh, people would say like the main focus obviously is on CJ Stroud and I, with good reason, he's been phenomenal, yeah. but Laramie Tunsil also questionable for this game. One of the best left tackles in all the football, all three of their top three wide receivers are hurt. Uh, we know tank Dell's done for the year. Nico Collins is banged up. He's been the 11th ranked wide receiver, uh, in terms of, uh, wins above replacement and, uh, PFF as well mm-hmm. as Noah Brown who has been their number three wide receiver, who is still a top 60 wide receiver as your number three wide That's receiver, crazy. which is pretty damn good. He's out. <laughs> I don't know if there's a more significant. Is he out? I thought he was questionable. Sorry, questionable for this game. Questionable. Yeah. But banged up. But with all that being said, I still don't know if there's a bigger loss or potential injury than Brian Cashman not playing. And he is uh, ranked seventh at wins above replacement in terms of all of the uh, PFF's rankings at that linebacker spot. For a good chunk of the season, he was leading the uh, the almost said leading the country, leading the NFL in tackles. Um, and again, in a game like, hey, we're going up against the Cleveland Browns, we know they're going to run the football. Right, a, a huge part of them being able to stop this Browns offense is going to be stopping the run. And if Brian Cashman is not able to play in this game or is not a hundred percent, and that's a way the Browns get a leg up. In addition to, hey, the the, the most important pieces of the Texans' offense are banged up. You know, that that could be a swing either way. But at the same time, it's hard to bet against this this Houston Texans team, man. They've been so fun to follow all year. Um, and I wouldn't be surprised if they gutted out a win here at home as a home dog. Let's move to the afternoon games, the late afternoon games. In, uh, if you're on East Coast time here on Sunday, we'll start with the Jags at Buccaneers. And if you had told me that in week 16, we'd have the Jags as a two and a half point underdog to the Bucks at the beginning of the season. I would have said some wild shit has happened and some wild shit has happened. Uh, this is a really interesting spot because it seems like, hey, the Bucks offense feels like it's playing pretty good. The Jags, no idea if Trevor Lawrence is playing right now. He did not practice as of Thursday. So we don't know what or how much of Trevor Lawrence we're going to get in this game. I kind of love Tampa Bay here, and I kind of feel like Tampa Bay has figured themselves out. But this is the the roller coaster ride that is Baker Mayfield. Every time you feel like they figured it out and they got it going, there's a goose egg sitting there on the other side. And the question is, is do the Tampa Bay Bucks lay an egg in a game where this could cement them winning the NFC South, especially if we and there still is another Tampa Bay New Orleans game coming up here, so that that will be the ultimate decider. But if we see the Saints lose on Thursday night to the Rams and the Bucs know, hey, we win this, we now have a full game up against our closest competitor in the win-loss column, and we have a chance to put them away, I feel like Tampa Bay is going to come out and grab this game and win it, especially since there's a very good chance that C.J. Beathard is the starting quarterback. If you tell me C.J. Beathard is going to be the starter, then I'm hammering the Bucs and I'd make them a lock in this week. But we just don't know, and there is still a chance that we see Trevor Lawrence. So I'm I'm going to take Tampa Bay minus two and a half at home because I do believe in Baker, and I feel like Baker has has figured some stuff out here. I don't think the Jags' defense is that much better than what Green Bay's was, and after we just saw Baker put up a perfect performance in Lambeau last week, I feel like they're going to keep this train rolling. And 
Shout out, by the way, he was a fantasy sleeper for uh, most of the, the the summer when we were talking about it and, like, who's going to be the running back for this team. Rashad White has been really good for Tampa Bay, man. Like, really good. Back-to-back 100-yard games. He's been great in the passing game. He's the check-down option. He's playing a true, like, three-down style of back for this Tampa Bay team, and he's been awesome throughout the board. So I feel like they're, they've found ways, kind of like Kyron Williams coming on as the season's gone on, but I, I like Tampa Bay here. I don't love it enough unless I know that Trevor Lawrence isn't playing. But if you're going to give me the chance that we're going to get C.J. Beth and I'm going to get the Bucs at minus two and a half at home, I'm going to take that. So give me the Bucs minus two and a half. Um, I'm in the same boat. I don't think Trevor will play. Um, Again, he also was coming off that ankle injury and definitely had to, you know, take some shots to be able to play. I think that mixed with a concussion, you know, and what he's going through. I think this is the game where they just say, this is our franchise on the line. Do we really want to be messing with the two places? Well, I wouldn't say the two places you're not supposed to hit a quarterback, which is low below his shin and then high above his shoulder. It does like this stuff happens. You get twisted up, you fall hard in your head. Those are both things that I think the Jags, yes, even though they're in a good position here and can make a run, I don't think they risk the franchise on it. I'm going to go ahead and take the Bucks. I think Baker comes out here and becomes a gamer in these last three weeks and pushes this Bucks team into the playoffs with some momentum. I'm taking the Bucks. I'm flirting with locking it. I've got one more that I can do here this week. I'm not going to, um, but you know it's it's extremely close. I like the Jags defense and what they can do. Oh man, I'm, I'm debating between this and one other game uh, for for a fifth lock. And you know what? I'm doing it. No, no, I'm holding. I'm holding. I'm holding. Yeah. I'm sorry. Don't mean to get say, too I think excited. you have a pretty bad record with uh with your Bucks locks this year. <laughs> I, dude, last week I locked against them. That was the dumbest thing I've ever done. <laughs> um, man, yeah, and, and I think to to your point, Jeff, to add on to Rashad White, I think this is where you can uh, just use him, right? I mean, he's going like yeah. 12 to 15 for 80 on the ground. And then like, like he's got two to two to four catches for, for 70 plus yards every game, it seems like. And so uh, that's the MO against this defense. It's like, you can run the hell out of him and get him tired. And then like, Oh, pop a screen, bam, 50 yard touchdown for Rashad white. And I think that's, that's going to be a lot of the, uh, the, the MO um, for the, uh, for the bucks offense. That's been what they've been for most of the year. And then, you know, if they can get Godwin or, or Mike Evans open, uh, they'll take it. But honestly, man, like this is this is a Baker game to me, even with Trevor Lawrence. Uh, and I'm going to take the Bucks as well. All right. We're all on the Bucks. Uh, moving to the 425 Eastern time zone games, 425 p.m. East Coast time. Cardinals at Bears. The Bears are four point favorites in this game. This is another one, man. Like, I just have no fucking clue. I if you, if I were to break it down and simplify, like I said earlier, where it's like just break it down to the sides of the ball and make it a simple equation, I like the Bears' defense the best out of all four units here. Like Cardinals' offense, Cardinals' defense, Bears' offense, Bears' defense, and I like some of the stuff I've seen out of Justin Fields. Is it four points good? I don't think so because I think Kyler Murray has still shown some flashes. But as we saw last week, like all those points and stuff in the second half against San Francisco, like none of that shit mattered. That game was so out of reach. It didn't didn't matter what Arizona did. Like it was that game was over from the opening kickoff. That game was over. Um, yeah, I I think I'm gonna go Chicago. 
I hate the number at four. Um, I just, I don't know, man. I think this Cardinals, this Cardinals defense is very bad. The offense is pretty good. The defense is very bad. What I've liked out of the Bears the last few weeks, especially with Fields getting healthier, is Fields has made some like fuck you type throws, and I love seeing yeah. it. He hit that back shoulder throw to DJ Moore in the game last week against Cleveland. I don't know if you got if you like what that oh, viewpoint yeah. for yeah. you in person looks like, Vito. But <laughs> Scotty and I were sitting at at the bar, and like he made that throw, and I was like, damn, like that's that is the throw. That's <laughs> you know what that throw was. George, Justin, I'm making this analogy up on the fly, but Justin Fields is kind of like golf. You know, it's like it's a disaster for most people for the for the majority of the time. But then he makes that one throw and that's yep. the one that keeps you coming back. Right. That one, you know, five iron from 200 yards out that you hit and you hit Pure. it to like five feet and you. Yeah. Or that <laughs> one 40 foot putt that rolls in. Like that is the one that keeps you coming back. And that's what Justin Fields is. It's like every week there's one or two throws and, or one or two runs or a play he makes or something that you go like, that's why I can't fucking quit you, man. Like, and I, I still, I hold out. And if I'm Chicago and we talked about this a little bit and we'll talk about a ton in the off season, I think you, you trade Justin Fields because at the end of the season, he's playing good enough football that you will get legitimate value in return you know, because he still has that fifth year, uh, you know, ex- uh, extension option, whatever fifth year option the rookies get. So you would get two more years of Justin Fields after this year. So if you trade him, you sign him like a sign and trade kind of deal where you give him the the fifth year option and you trade him to a team that has now two years with Justin Fields, who maybe is a quarterback away or thinks they can get something out of him. And then you go. Yes. Get- <clears throat> well, wouldn't hate it. Wouldn't hate it, right? I think there's yeah. there's a few teams you could make that argument for. Out like New England, right? If New England, yeah. I mean, New England might get Drake. We'll probably get Drake May, so maybe not. Maybe Denver, Seattle. I would love to have him even as a backup. Like that would be wonderful. Seattle's an interesting one, Scotty. I didn't even think about that because yeah. Gino's contract. They could get off of Gino. Gino could be the backup. You bring in Justin Fields. That's an issue. I'm saying there'll be interest for Justin Fields. Yes. And I think he's playing some of the best football he's played over the last four or five games. And he's doing it without those dominating runs like he did last year when we were like, oh, my God, Justin Fields is unbelievable. He's actually making legitimately like impressive throws, throws that he couldn't make when he was at Ohio State. Right. He had the talent to, but just wasn't making those throws because of that offense. Right. So it's those back shoulder like he's putting some dimes out there that I'm very much impressed with even that deep ball that, that uh, Bobby tons dropped, you know, that was a beautiful deep ball that he put yeah. the perfect amount of air on and it just hit him straight in the hand. He bobbled it like four times. It would have been a touchdown, you know, but he, he dropped it. Those are the plays that I'm like, all right, I'm buying into Justin field stock a little bit. So I'm going to say, fuck it. I'm, I think the Chicago bears defense has been good enough. I think the offense will put up more points Four is a reasonable number, so I'm going to take the Chicago Bears here minus four. The, the, my, I'm actually kind of upset about this game because <laughs> the fact that we have a three and eleven and five and nine team in the four o'clock window, like get the fuck to one p.m. and never be shown on red zone the entire day. What are we doing? What are we doing? We can. Well, Jags Bucks will be fun. Cowboys Dolphins will be fun. It's yeah, it's really games. a. 
it's really a fuck you because it's not like this game is in Arizona. If this game was in Arizona, I'd be like, yeah, there's right, also like eight I, games in, uh, yeah, I'd be like, like, because of the time zones, I get it, you know, but it's not, yeah, it's not, no. but Hey, Vito, I will say as football guys and, and football nerds, the way that we are, we can't complain because we're getting Thursday, Friday bowls, Saturday, NFL, Sunday, NFL, Monday, NFL, we are getting, was that three, three days? Four days, Thursday, Saturday, yeah. Sunday, Monday. We're getting four days of NFL games over this holiday break here. I, we have Fair no shit. room to. We have no room to. No, complain. that's you're absolutely right. Move this game to Friday. Move this game to Friday. <laughs> oh, even so better. Something to do on. That's what we should do. If you I'm here for that. Game, yeah, we're putting Friday games in the NFL, and it's basically the two worst records play each other on Fridays. I would love that. I would love that. <laughs> uh, but. I'm actually like this is four points. I like how, I, the the funniest thing is is like Kyler versus Justin Fields, two very dynamic, exciting quarterbacks. Like this will be a to your point, we'll have some highlights out of it. So maybe it's not the worst game to have in between the other two games that are really good. Um, or could be, um, uh, could be uh, definitely one that's going to be a, a barn burner or, or something like that. But I think with this Bears team, uh, to your point, the defense is better. For some reason, I'm feeling the Cardinals, um, but I'm taking the, the Bears. I, I just oh. think that this is pretty um, – uh, that team, the way they played last week, they honestly could have and probably should have won. The offense could not move the ball in the Browns' defense, but they looked decent. Um, their defense looked really good. I'll say that. Like, uh, But then again, the Browns' offense didn't look great. It's They're doing just enough to win, and the, they're capitalizing on mistakes – Kyler's going to make some mistakes. I'm going Bears. I'm not really convinced that this would be a three-point uh, spread if this were on a neutral field. Because I think what Arizona did, especially in the run game last week against the Niners, uh, was pretty damn good. Um, so I think I'm going to take the Cardinals – um, just because, and it might be an overcorrection um, on the market, but I think like with James Conner back and Kyler Murray back, like something is clicking in that running game. And maybe I'm just basing it on what I saw last week uh, against a really good front defense in, in, in the 49ers. Uh, plus Murray's 15-5-1 against the spread as an underdog on the road. I'm going to take the points with the Cardinals. Like, just give me that. <laughs> uh, and uh, And I'll take the Cardinals on the road. And that's not a bad pick, Scotty. It's not. I I flirted with it too, just taking the points because Kyler is. We haven't had a Kyler moment since he's been back. There's been a couple of highlights, but the Cardinals have just been so bad. We haven't had that. Like, oh yeah, Kyler Murray. You know, it's it's almost like we kind of all forgot that Kyler Murray's back because it's just how bad Arizona's been. Um, but Kyler Murray's also playing for his next location too, right? All and those teams, big, are, all yeah. those, you know, it, and and look. Arizona might get put in a spot. I mean, because they're going to be, as of right now at least, outside of the top two. So maybe they trade back and take, you know, a Jaden Daniels or someone else if they want. But I think they're out of the Caleb Williams sweepstakes. I think they're out of the Drake May sweepstakes. Um, you know, unless New England or somebody else pulls off a win here. Um, and hey, that that might happen. We have another game in the in the Sunday window that 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 could happen. So 
Uh, we'll talk about it then. But no, I, I I totally understand where you're coming from. It does feel like we haven't had that Kyler Murray. Oh, yeah, this is why he was the number one overall pick and was really, really good in a pro bowler and all the shit that we enjoyed watching him scramble around and make crazy plays. Um, still wouldn't want him to be in my team, but he still is very talented at the same time. Some, somebody's taking him. Yeah. If the coin is uh, off him. All right. The second best game of this week's slate, the Dallas Cowboys going to the Miami Dolphins. This game, uh, first off, the over-unders at 49 and a half. Over, hit the over, hit the over, hit the over. Um, this is an interesting game. The Cowboys need it. If the Cowboys lose this, I mean, with with what the Eagles look like right now, I don't anything can fucking happen. And I don't I will not be surprised with how awful they have looked but the eagles have the giants arizona and the giants to finish out so theoretically the eagles could win out and if the cowboys lose this game then that would give the eagles the nfc east title the cowboys definitely want the two seed um i know i've seen some arguments but like, was it actually better to be the five the cowboys are terrible on the road the cowboys are three and four on the road you don't want to be doing that math though at no. this point of the year and the cowboys going to miami luckily weather will not be an issue for them it's going to be nice weather it's going to be sunny florida they're going to have plenty of opportunities to you know be successful um I don't know, you know man. You know what's this... in Miami when the weather report is broken clouds? It's like there's going to be some stuff up there, but it's clear. <laughs> don't worry, it's clear. Yeah, don't worry. It might rain for five minutes before the game. But sounds then, like then the most South Florida thing, <laughs> right? It's like broken, broken clouds. clouds. They're not, yeah, they're not big. They're not, not full clouds. No, we don't have no. full clouds. And that, the only time we have full clouds is when a hurricane comes through. Um, <laughs> but that being said, the the Cowboys. It doesn't matter where. I mean, they played in a dome against Arizona and looked like shit. Right? It seems like it doesn't matter where they go on the road. No matter what the weather is like, they just haven't played good football on the road. And this is an opportunity for the Cowboys to prove that, hey, that narrative is bullshit. We can go beat a good team. The irony is the Cowboys and the Dolphins have been the two teams we've talked about all year as being mirror images of each other because neither one of them has a really good win yet, right? The best win for the Cowboys is them beating the shit out of the Eagles. But as we've seen from the Eagles the last couple of weeks, they haven't looked like a good team, right? Like they haven't really looked like that team that we thought was going to be a Super Bowl contender. The Dolphins, every time that they've gone up against a legitimate contender, they've gotten their freaking asses beat. Uh, you know, the games against Buffalo, right? The first game oh, against Buffalo, yeah. they looked absolutely terrible in that game. Uh, the game against Philly, they looked really bad. The game against Kansas City, they were awful in the first half, put together a decent second half to come back in. And then, of course, they had that weird fluky loss to Tennessee, which, you know, losses like that happened Monday night. You know, it was a weird game, but... A loss is a loss. Miami needs a win to prove their legitimacy. And also knowing that Baltimore is playing San Francisco on Sunday, you win this game in Dallas, you have the same record as Baltimore. And then, by the way, you get Baltimore the following week and then you can take over the one seat. So Miami has a lot to play for in this game. Dallas does too. I expect to see the best out of both of these teams. Tyreek could have gone last week. He didn't. They didn't need him. And that offense still looks really, really good without him. I expect more out of the same out of this Miami offense because they, especially with A-Chain back and Mostert being healthy, they can run the fucking football. And that's the one thing we saw with Dallas last week against Buffalo was they could not do shit against the run. And I don't want to hear anything about 
uh, was it Bland, the the cornerback from Dallas, and all of his pick sixes that were, you know, for the most part, like lucky moments, as most interceptions turnovers are. I mean, jump throughouts for like a couple, four of them. yeah, sure. But <laughs> but regardless, yeah. turnover Cover luck two, is a real two. thing. When you play a really shitty schedule with really shitty quarterbacks, they're going to throw you <laughs> bad balls that you can pick off and run back for touchdowns. Like he happened to be in the right place in the right time for most of those. And he made plays. Credit where credit's due. Yeah, Absolutely. Still incredible. No question. Credit where credit's due. NFL records are hard to come by. <laughs> no question. Credit where credit's due. He's been good. But if you look at his numbers outside of the pick sixes, he's been pretty good. He hasn't been great. And he's no match for Tyreek Hill because there's not a single defensive back in all of the NFL who's a match for Tyreek Hill. Pat Sertan, right. who's arguably the best cornerback in the NFL, no match. Sauce Gardner, arguably the, one of the best cornerbacks in the NFL, no match for Tyreek Hill. Or J- even Jalen Waddle last week. So to me, this seems like it should be Miami all day unless we have one of those Dallas games where Dak puts on the Superman cape and just balls his fucking ass off the entire time. To me, the biggest differentiator between these two teams is I think the Dolphins defense has been on an upward trajectory over the last few weeks. The Cowboys has been more down and has been kind of up and down for most of the season. This is a big test for Dallas's defense. Dallas's defense. If Dallas loses this game, it's the same old Cowboys again. If they win this game, to me, they are legitimate Super Bowl contenders. And I need to see it from Dallas. And to this point, we've yet to see Dallas and Dak in big moments like this pull off big wins against really good teams. And I have more faith in Miami Dolphins right now. No question. Sure. Why is it this game that will determine whether as bad as they played on the road and against big opponents, and now they're doing both. Why is it this game that will determine them as Super Bowl contenders in your mind? The the reason is I can understand and and like and hindsight is obviously twenty twenty, but like that Buffalo game for example last week, they were outmatched bodied, bodied absolutely. But they're playing in Niners, Buffalo, bodied in the cold, no question. Right? Teams have bad weeks, right? And, and I'm saying this as a I, – I could be way meaner to the Cowboys if I wanted to. I'm saying this as I do feel like this version of the Cowboys we've seen this year, this this year of Dak Prescott where he's kind of blended that perfect level of experience with still being very young, athletic, and still very, very talented before he starts hitting that second half of the career of his career. I feel like Dak is in that perfect middle ground where it's like he's still really, really talented – He's still super athletic. He can still pull the sneak and and have the running game there, but he's also played a shitload of football and has a much better understanding. And he comes through the mind and has the mental acuity of a quarterback who's been playing as a starter for almost 10 years that he didn't have at younger points in his career. And I think the defensive line is as good as it's ever been under the, the, the Dak Prescott era. And I think, the the one thing I would say that the Cowboys don't have right now that they've had in past years is the consistent run game. But the offense has also been so dynamic throwing the football that they haven't really needed it. And that's one of the things that I that's like the one hump I want to see. So beating a team like Miami, who I think you're going to have to get into a bit of a shootout. But if your defense can step up, stop that team and you can control the ball, manage out the clock like Bad losses happen even to good teams every single year, right? I can explain okay. away four losses. You're going to split the series with with Philly every single year. The yeah. Arizona loss, the the San Francisco loss. Again, I've been saying all year, no one even touches San Francisco. They're in a class of their own. And 
the Buffalo loss, I can I can justify those losses while still giving the Cowboys credit. This win to me signifies that okay, this is a team that can bounce back from a bad loss, go on the road again when everyone's telling you, you can't win a game on the road and win a game to potentially solidify your shot at winning the division and getting a home playoff game and getting the two seed. So that's that's the long and short of it. Yeah, no, I, I just think it's interesting against a team who you, and I agree with you, a, a team in the Dolphins that is also playing a prove-it game. Absolutely. Like, I think that's that kind of why. Like, this is a huge game for both of them. But I'll, I'll tell you this. So, like, Tua practiced, uh, or it's Tua. Uh, he did too, but Tyreek practiced. Um, uh, Terrell Armstead was back. Savian Howard was back. To your point, A-Chain was back. So, they the Dolphins are good, but there is one stat I saw, and it's kind of concerning to me. Okay. When um pressured, Dak Prescott's pass rating is 95.4. Really good against pressure. Tua 60.1. And this Dallas team's gonna come at him with everything they can. And they are gonna try and force quick routes and then jump them, but he's gonna burn them over the top. But it's going to be this, this you know, not even chess match. It's more of someone jabbing all day and someone waiting to just throw hooks, right? It's more of the boxing comparison. I don't know what's going to happen here. I'll tell you what. I'm, I'm leaning towards Miami. Um, I just think that they're just a more talented offense and they're very hard to stop. Uh, and they're at home. And that's kind of it, like coin flip in this game to me. Dallas, though, if they can get after them and really get pressure on Tua – get in his face up the middle, get their hands up, bat balls. That's a huge reason with the passer rating too. He like, he's not the biggest guy. So, so incompletions are high for him is for sure. But that's where I think Dallas has their lane to win. Offensively, they'll keep up and, and score points. Miami's going to score points too. It's just who can get one or two. Like if I think whoever wins a turnover battle wins and I could see blitzing, excuse me, from Dallas being the cause of a turnover for the dolphins or something like that. Um, even though I can see that all happening very clearly, I'm taking dolphins. Cause I don't like Dallas. Yeah. <laughs> that's about it. <laughs> I and wish it was more boys. That's about it. That's a fair well, pick. No, and, dude. Go ahead, Scotty. The, the, the one way you neutralize that on, on offense for the dolphins is not trying to force that stuff that, you know, is always, always there with Tua mm. and, and um, Tariq and Waddle. It's, like, hey, let's take Micah out of the game, which has been the recipe for most of the, the the good teams that have beaten the Cowboys. Take Micah out of the game by running the shit out of the ball and force him to drop back in coverage uh, so that, like, you because you know once you run run keep running the ball and pounding the ball on the run, like, Micah's got to drop back in coverage and help out with two or Jalen Waddle coming over the middle. So, because uh, you know that that's big you're not going to run the ball come, every play. Yeah, yeah. So, so I think that's how you neutralize it, and and the Niners did it really effectively, and they got Christian McCaffrey in the backfield. Yeah, the the, the Eagles did it effectively with DeAndre Swift for the most part in the first game that they played each other. Um, and so I think, and again to Vito's point, I think there's going to be a lot of offense on both sides, right? I think there's a big game for CD who who is playing against a, a secondary that like he's going to go one on one with Xavier Howard all week or uh, all game long, but like. How many times has Dak just thrown the ball up and trusted that ZD's going to catch it? So uh, I, I think 
I, I think there's there's a ton of offense to be had, but I, I think at the end of the day, Miami has the 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 tools to neutralize Dallas's defense more than uh Dallas's offense has the tools to neutralize Miami's defense. So I'm mm. gonna take the Dolphins as well. I'm going to take the Dolphins in this game simply because I just I think the Dolphins are a better football team. Like I just think across the board. The other aspect of this too is like, and to, to further answer your question, Scotty, is like the big difference. Like, why does this game matter when the other team's a prove it team as well? That's fair. The other team still won ten games. You know, yeah, like the, no, the, the, I, yeah. the Dolphins are a really good team, but and it's no all the narrative. They, no matter I who guess. they play, exactly. It's like, oh, you haven't played anybody, you haven't played anybody. The Eagles didn't play anybody, and you know, last year, and they made yeah. it all the way to the Super Bowl, right? So I don't necessarily think because your schedule's weak that that means that you had that you're not a good team if you've been winning For all sure. your games. The difference to me is the games that the Dolphins have lost this year, with the exception of the Tennessee game, have all been to really good teams, right? Yeah. The Cowboys' losses, with the exception of Arizona, have all been to really good teams. <laughs> so, well, and, and you could say both of them have a loss against Philly, and who fucking knows what Philly is at this point. To me, I want to see Dallas stop the run go up against a dynamic offense and see what this defense can truly do. Cause when the defense yeah. has been tested and we talked about it throughout the beginning, six, five, six weeks of the year, this Dallas defense is really good. And Dan Quinn and Micah Parsons and all these guys and the pick sixes from bland and all this stuff. I want to see a game where you're not getting a tipped interception that you run back to the house or even your, your cornerback making one big play and you take it to the house. I want to see a game where your defense comes together against a really good offense and dominates. Cause say, say what you will about like the a Eagles. Micah Depoy solidified game. Yeah, absolutely. Like, right. Killed you in the even, run, killed you in the past game. It's like, Hey, game Demarcus over. Lawrence has a sack. Micah Parsons has two sacks. You get a pick from the secondary, you know, Stefan Gilmore shuts down Tyree killer, Jalen Waddle. Like give me a game like that where the defense balls out against a really good team like the Eagles did against you know earlier in the season against Miami like if yeah. if I see that toughness that like we just bullied you mentality out of this Dallas defense then yeah I'm gonna believe that they can do it but the bigger question to me is after what we saw from Dallas last week where they got absolutely bodied by Buffalo who has not been a dominant running team all year but just got full-blown ran it down their throat the entire time if Miami's able to do that again and run the ball effectively and put up 160 yards on the ground while two is throwing for 300 yards, then that tells me everything I need to know about this Dallas defense, right? And that could still happen, and the Cowboys could still win if the offense is that good. But I think Vic Fangio has this defense humming at the right time. I think he's gotten yeah. them prepped for this because I think Miami smells that one seed right there. So, Well, the all other us- thing, too, is the, the look ahead for Miami. To to just be like we're at home, we should. I don't think they're in a position where they can look ahead because every single game matters if they're going to get the one seed. You know, it's not like they have a a one game lead on the one seed, and next week is going to be the thing that solidifies it. You know, it's like they need to win this game. They need to solidify this, and even if Baltimore loses next week and they get the one seed, then they could lose it and give it right back if they don't beat Baltimore. But the only way that that happens is if they beat Dallas this week. And I know the numbers work out that if they lose Dallas and Baltimore wins this and Baltimore beats San Francisco, then they could theoretically switch places if Miami beats Baltimore next week because of the head-to-head. That could happen. I understand it. But I don't think that's how this team is working. And I don't know if you guys saw the clip, by the way. If you haven't, I'll send it to y'all. But Mike McDaniel, before the drive, on the, the one-play drive where he they threw the deep ball to Jalen Waddle on the 60-yard touchdown or whatever, 
Mike McDaniel walked out and he said, this is the play we're running. And he said something along the lines of, he's like, I'm, I'm smelling a one, one play drive here. Yeah, I'm smelling like, a one I'm, play I'm drive. A, yeah, yeah. He was, he was all about it. I that was that. So he, he called it. He called it. And he's like, if we get this look, it's a one play drive. If we get this look, it's a one play drive. And he set up and he goes, there it is. One play drive snaps the ball, deep throw to Jalen Waddle. And he's like, got it. Touchdown. I just, I love Mike McDaniel. I really do. Me I, and, too. and, and I think, I think the toughness and the defensive aspect of Miami, where we weren't sure quite there, especially they had the 70 point game. I'm like, oh my God, this Miami team's so awesome. And then they had that little fumble, you know, a couple of times, the game against Philly, right? And then obviously the game against Tennessee. I feel like they've kind of corrected a little bit. And for them to be as good Dude. as they were last week against a really good defense without Tyreek, you're getting Tyreek back here. I, I just, I feel like this is Miami all day. You know what just clicked, man? This is kind of like the, what we thought of the Chiefs the last like five years, where it's like, oh, that offense is blazing. Don't worry about it. Set it. Forget it. And like all of a sudden, hey, now the defense uh, yeah. is pretty fucking good. Yeah. <laughs> like, well, uh, and that's at the I right time. Oh, and that's, boy, that's how dangerous. I feel about Fangio. I feel like Fangio has been famous for this with his defenses in the past, where it's when, and, and you could even say that about some of the Denver teams when he was the head coach of the Broncos, Vito, right? Like, as the year went on, that defense got better and better until we get to the end of the season. It's like, well, the offense sucks, but the defense is fucking sick. You know, like I, I, feel... I do know what you're talking about. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> so I feel like that's kind of where we're at with uh, with Miami and uh, and Vito. You locked in the Dolphins. Did I miss that? Oh, um, no, that's an no, accident okay. <laughs> in, in the Excel sheet. And then the behind chat. the scenes, that was the bold. We like record this. We have. We, we have, have our sheet, spreadsheet up there. that we're all in. And, yeah. And yeah, and our locks are bolded. And I've definitely gone through and like kind of been like, maybe this is one, maybe this is one. And, and just to see how stuff. it looks, just to That's see how it looks on the card. Like pretty you know? bold, the, uh, the, the <laughs> yeah, spots yeah, where I think fun. the lock is going to happen. I like it. <laughs> well, talking about your Broncos there, Vito, they are a seven point favorite on Christmas Eve night against the New England Patriots. The over under in this game, lowest of the week, 34 and a half. Broncos are a seven point favorite against the Patriots. Um, look, I, I'm going to say this, and I'm sorry, Vito. I I kind of like the Patriots in this game just to cover. I think the Broncos win this game, but Zappy the last two weeks has actually not been that bad. Like he's been be- significantly better than what we thought earlier in the year. We're not worried about Mac Jones doing stupid shit. And on top of it, I feel like the defense for the Patriots has been locked in for a while now. And I'm very curious because last week it felt like we finally kind of saw like the the Broncos kind of hit their head a little bit, right? Where they kind of got to their ceiling. They had all the turnover luck going for a while. The turnovers didn't fall in their favor. They lose that game. So that's where I'm leaning now. But I'm going to give you the floor, Vito, and you tell me why I should take the Broncos minus seven against the Patriots. Because Santa is coming and dropping us a goddamn <laughs> gift in the chimney. That's why. It's at home. Okay, it's at home, so defense will like just narrow head. Or, <laughs> Jesus, I did not mean to say that. Uh, uh, whoa, whoa, I, whoa, you know, you know whoa. why this is bad. I just you can't say that snow game. I know that was really fucking bad. I, whoa, like, I, that's like I Jeff hurt. saying the Eagles are playing a home game at AT and T. It's not that bad. That's a little that, uh, Eagles Cowboys is a rivalry where they hate each other. I have friends who are Chiefs fans. I don't hate them. I have a fr- one of my best friends. I was decade. in a wedding of a Cowboys fan earlier this year. That's a poor well, life choice, Jeff. I if the Seahawks fan <laughs> offered me to be in a wedding, I might say, eh, see you next year. So, I will say this. Even though Zappy's played well. Good for you. You're a better my, person, Jeff. 
he is yeah right seriously uh he is zappy is 39th out of 40 qbs ranked in pff okay. so he is uh, overall yes he had a good couple of games i could see him regressing to the mean right i don't Absolutely. love their offense their offensive line's actually been decent um on the flip side though like what's really cool about the patriots and we haven't really talked about this jabril peppers is having his best season as a pro like mm-hmm. this has worked out for the patriots and and like it take a little while there but good for him um he was always a pretty special player but never really figured it out like what role that would be just put him at free safety i love it and he moves around a bit for sure but i, I like what they've done obviously bobelichick's a genius um but I do think that at home, we've been able to run the ball a lot better in the last couple of weeks. Sutton's just Ben Sutton. Like he is our, by far and away our best receiver. Um, he's made one or two plays every game. And Russell Wilson's, you know, going to play some mistake free football, I believe. Um, and I'm going to go ahead and take Denver, even with the minus seven, because I do think the Patriots are that much worse than us, especially on their offensive side. I could see this being a 13 to three game and us covering. I'm debating locking this. That's how that's how confident I am. Wow. I'm debating it. <laughs> you know what? Fuck it. I'm doing it. It's a Christmas fucking miracle. Broncos, lock, minus seven. Oh man. Right. Look, to me, Go the ahead. only no, thing take the pats. I wanna I wanna get up in those standings. Take the pats, guys. That's fine. I, and and I'm doing this for you again. I took the Broncos last week and I got it wrong. I still have not gotten a Broncos game right this year. And so I'm taking the Pats because I think the defense, I think the, I think the Broncos win this game, like Jeff said, but I think it's closer than a touchdown, uh, just because yeah. of of how well that defense is playing. And, and the thing with the Broncos' offense is that it has moved through the run game. That has been the absolute strength of this Patriots defense. I don't know how well Javante Williams plays or P Ryan for that matter, uh, but they're going to be running through Javante a whole lot, uh, and, and so. I don't know how well that's going to work, and it's going to force Russell Wilson to make some of those big plays. And I'm taking the Patriots for you, buddy. Yeah, I mean, to to me, this this comes down to a little bit of like, I the Broncos defense versus the Pats offense should be the determining factor here. But the Pats offense has had these weird like stretches of the last couple of weeks where they're actually able to run the ball a little bit. They can kind of get downhill. You know, like Alex Singleton has been great. And Nick, even when he was on the Eagles, like I've, I remember watching him fly around the field like crazy for so many tackles. But there was only so much he could do because he's undersized and he's just a grinder guy and he just finds ways to fucking do it. I think when you're giving Ramondre Stevenson, I knew you were going to do that. <laughs> when you, I feel like when you're giving Ramondre Stevenson the ball and you're just like, hey, go downhill, Zeke, same thing. Just bang it out i this game to me has all the makings of just an ugly christmas eve you've had your drinks after dinner and you're like oh what's the sunday night game oh god it's patriots broncos and you put it on the tv midnight mass yeah yeah you're talking with your cousins your parents and you're having a couple beers or maybe go for a little leftover some dessert you know and you kind of just look up and you're like god this game's ugly and that's kind of how that's the feeling I'm getting from this game. And when you feel that way, seven points is just too many to lay to give if I'm taking the Broncos. So I, I think the Broncos win this game, but I think Russ Wilson, fourth quarter drive, gets him down the field, gets in the field goal range, extends the lead from four to seven with a field goal. 
and they push. Like that's how I see this game rolling out. So I'm gonna take the Pats because I just think seven's too many too many points. So I'm gonna take the Pats here. Uh, all right, let's move to Sunday or Monday, Christmas Day. We have three games, and we will start with the one o'clock game: Raiders at Chiefs. Chiefs are a ten-point favorite here, and I'm gonna say it: the Chiefs, I think, have figured it out just in time. I I don't think they are the threat that they've been in the past when they had Tyreek and fully functioning Travis Kelsey. But I do think Andy Reid has figured out what this team is. The, the Raiders are coming off a long, was it's almost it's almost two full weeks that the Raiders will have been off. They go from Thursday, days, yeah, yeah, Thursday all the way to the following Monday. So it's like an 11, 12 day break before this game. Uh, and the Raiders obviously coming off of a massive offensive explosion. The Chiefs' defense is really good still, and like we we talked about it early in the season, like how dangerous the Chiefs will be with an amazing defense because they never had that. And I feel like we've kind of stopped talking about it because the offense, the defense wasn't as good as it was, and so much more of the focus was on all the drops and the offsides and all the miss the this dysfunction of the Chiefs' offense. I think they figured out their formula. I really do. I think it's going to be a healthy dose of. Rasheed Rice and Jarek McKinnon out of the backfield with a little sprinkling of Clyde Edwards Elaire. And then they get Kelsey his six catches for 70 yards or seven catches for 60 yards and maybe a score. And they just figure out ways to do it. I think the Raiders have been pretty, pretty good considering what happened with McDaniels and everything else. I don't think this is a game that stays close. I think the Chiefs win by a couple of touchdowns. So I'm going to take the Chiefs at minus 10 in this game. And I think this is a game where you might have figured out your formula with your wide receivers and and your defense. Uh, getting Isaiah Pacheco back is going to be huge yeah. if he does come back in this game. Uh, but I still think this is a game where even if you have figured out, like, oh, we don't have to do it all on offense. A game where against the Raiders defense, whose linebacking core is probably not one of the best in the league, and what we've seen with with defenses is like, oh, just bracket and or triple Travis Kelsey and like don't get him the ball, and, and that's what has has led to these questions. But I think this is a game where Travis, like, despite whatever recipe you have, now that you figured out, you can get Travis the ball eight times and he's going to have a hundred yards and and a touchdown. He's only got five touchdowns this year. So figure out your recipe. That's great. Bring it to next week because Travis Kelsey's going to have a big game. He's due for one, and he's going to have it in Vegas. Uh, or this, I'm sorry. He they're at home this week. They're gonna he's gonna have it at home this week with uh, with Taylor at home watching him uh, while she's screaming expletives uh, from the uh, from the luxury box like that. we saw this week. And disgusting. Uh, she's the face of the league and she's cursing. I love her. Face I of the league. Disgusting. Unbelievable. Banner. Figure Banner from the NFL. Bad look for and, the NFL. <laughs> look, I, I think this you is know, a huge game. Even for, laugh. <laughs> no, I, I think this is a huge game for that offense. Uh, whether it's Rasheed Rice, whether it's Jarek McKinnon, whether it's Isaiah Pacheco, uh, or whether it's Travis Kelsey, they're all getting the ball stuff. from Mahomes. <laughs> yeah, and, and and I think this is a huge game at ten points. But I, I flirted with this as a lock too. Uh, if I hadn't got all four of my my locks in, this is a this is a banger for me. Uh, Chiefs minus ten is uh, is Donzo for sure. Really, I, I'm a little worried, and I'll tell you why. Okay. Um, this is at home, Christmas Day, 
Andy Reid basically is Santa Claus, and he's going to be pulling an all-nighter, delivering gifts all over the, the world. And now he's got a coming coaching game. You're asking him on his busiest week of his year, delivering gifts to Santa, to also coach a game. I don't know, man. I, I just think that's a lot to ask. I'm going to take the Raiders plus 10, uh, thinking they maybe come back and get something. Um, I don't know. This Maybe maybe Mahomes can do it despite Santa. You know what? Mahomes is going to do it despite Santa. I'll take the Chiefs, but this is a flip-flop for me. I think 10's a ton for a divisional game. It is. It's a ton. It and is. You know what? No, I'm going to stick with the Raiders. I'm going to take the Raiders <laughs> uh, and just stick there. Oh, Vito just muted himself. Sorry, I was trying to type my pick in and accidentally muted myself. But I'm sticking with the Raiders. Um, All right. And I, I just think divisional with 10, it's a lot. It's yeah. a lot. So I have a take I've been sitting on. Since the Kateri- the Kadarius Tony and the offsides and all that stuff, I've been, si- I've been sitting on it a little bit. And I haven't heard anyone else say it yet, so I feel like I might be the first to market with this take. I think Patrick Mahomes being embarrassed and humbled on national TV and all the like everyone coming for his neck and everyone being like, I used to like Mahomes, now I don't like Mahomes because of his action, all this stuff. Are you talking about the exchange with Josh Allen after that game? Well, yeah, just like all the stuff that everyone called him out for sportsmanship and all this crap or whatever. And and feeling like, you know, it, as we said in the moment, Scotty, right? It's like when Steph Curry threw the mouth guard, right? And everyone all of a sudden was like, oh, my God, I can't believe he would do that. What an asshole. I think this is the best thing possible for Pat Mahomes. I think this unlo- unleashes the most dangerous version of Patrick Mahomes possible. I think this... This is a very Nick Wright no, take. No, don't do that shit. But I think this is We're exactly, finally here. This is, we finally this is arrived exactly, at a point where he's not the conversation. <laughs> this is exactly the issue that this is what I'm bringing up because everyone all of a sudden is going to make the heel turn on, on Mahomes, right? And try to call him out for being a bad guy and bad teammate and bad sportsmanship and all this stuff. And he's going to say, okay, okay, you guys want to call me after this? Okay, all right, fine. You just lit a fucking fire under the best player in the NFL that no one, for whatever reason, talks about during the regular season because we just assume Damn. they're going to be there in the AFC Championship game. He is going. He is going <laughs> to become the like, one of the best versions of Mahomes we see in these last few weeks, and they're going to go into the playoff scorching hot, and it's going to be this exact same shit again where we're going to see Chiefs Niners rematch from 2019 and it's going to be that pissed off version of Mahomes and Mahomes is going to answer all the questions during Super Bowl media day about how he was you know oh can, can you talk about that turning point in the season when Mahomes realized you know what I let my frustration get the better of me instead of trying to do better myself so I decided to be better myself and the problem when the best player in the NFL wants to be better and has that fire lit under his ass is that everyone else in the NFL is fucked for it. And yep. I think it's, it's, it's not too dissimilar to the deflate gate and all the other stuff. Anytime you lit that, you give that chip on the shoulder to the goat, Tom Brady, what does he do? He comes back even better. I think that's exactly what's going to happen with Patrick. Mahomes. I, I have and we're a retort. See, and we're gonna, I we're think this is coming from a bad place for you. I think Why? this is coming from a bad place. This is you not winning the Niners to win. That's no. all it is. No, this Dude, is you trust, being trust like me. the Eagles are this done. You, trust me, we're Scotty, to win, give it to Scotty, Scotty, trust that has me. nothing to do with it. This is because honestly, Scotty, this I think it's about super, the Niners. 
I think a Super Bowl between the best team in the NFL, this the the Niners going up against the best player in the NFL would be such an awesome storyline. If Mahomes puts together a run over the next five games to get to the Super Bowl, where he's playing the best football of his career out of fucking nowhere to go up against the best team that is clearly the best team with no one else behind it is such a phenomenal storyline going into the Super Bowl. I would love it. I also can't you can't say that, Scotty, because I'm the one that's been saying all year that the Niners are the best team in football and that there's nobody even close. And the Eagles fucking suck. And we're about to talk about that in a second. So, like, it's not about the Eagles or the Niners or anything else. It's simply, I just, I have seen storylines like this happen. I've seen when you piss off the best player in a sport, when you give him that extra chip on his shoulder, what's going to happen? And Mahomes is going to keep his mouth shut. He's not going to say anything publicly that's going to be potentially damning after what happened in that game against Buffalo. And we're and that would be like the start of the Super Bowl DVD, right? Like you always talk, it's the a part of my take uses that. Yeah. It's the part of the Super Bowl DVD where it's Mahomes, got served a slice of humble pie because he acted out and and people gave him shit for it. And he said, all right, you guys are going to give me shit for it. Watch this quarterback season two on Netflix. It's going to be a banger. (laughs) So that's, that's my, that's my take. I've been sitting on that since the Kadarius Tony thing happened. And I was like, let me see how the next week goes. And they, the offense looked pretty damn good last week. So I don't know. We'll, we'll see how it goes, but I'm, I wanted to be the swayed me, but (laughs) I wanted to be be first. I wanted to be the first to the market with that take. Um, all right. Like speaking it. of the Eagles being terrible, the Eagles are 13 and a half point favorites against the New York Giants this week. Inexplicably. Um, this line is absurd. And I know the Giants are not a good football team. And they're not. They're not. They're, they're not good. Uh, 13 and a half for a team that hasn't scored more than uh, 11 points in the last two or more than 17 points over the last two weeks is an objectively absurd line. And I understand the numbers will bear it out and they have their, their formulas and their mathematics and everything else. that'll tell you, well, if you look at what the Eagles have done all year, this is what they should do, right? There's no way in hell the Eagles are winning this game by 14 points. It's not, it's not happening unless there is a massive flip of an, uh, the biggest switch you can imagine cartoon, like, giant lever that you can flip up that's going to completely change what's been happening with this Eagles team over the last month. It's not happening. And I've said it for a while now. The Eagles are a good team. They're not a great team. They're a very talented team that's poorly coached. They have a quarterback who has shown extreme regression in hitting the way he sees the football field. He's playing like 2021 Jalen Hurts, not 2022. The wide receivers are pissed. The offensive line looks old and is injured. There's no world where the Eagles should be a 13 and a half point favorite against pretty much any team in the NFL other than maybe the Carolina Panthers. So I would love to be wrong. I really would. I think the Eagles are going to win this game. I don't think it's going to be by 14 points. So I'm going to take the Giants at plus 13 and a half because it is way too many points to give to for a team who has played so poorly over the last three weeks and has shown zero signs of improvement or growth or acceptance. And Jalen Hurts is sitting there in his press, you know, his, his press conference afterwards talking about how the team's not committed and it starts with himself. This Eagles team is riddled with issues top to bottom. And for as much talent is on there, it's also a lot of aging talent and it's also a lot of really young talent. There's just no way. And I, I went into that Seahawks game feeling pretty confident Feeling like I think the Eagles are going to win this game, but I think it might be close. 
And even watching that game, I sat through going all the way up to the final drive and feeling like, I think the Eagles are going to win this game. I feel pretty good. Yeah. I think they're going to be in control of this. There is dysfunction scattered throughout that entire organization. The defensive coordinator stuff with Matt Patricia and Sean Desai is absolute insanity. Like it is, it is bad across the board. That doesn't mean that talent won't outweigh other talent, which is, I think, what will happen in this game, which is the Eagles are that much more talented than the Giants. But it's a divisional game. To your point, Vito, divisional matchup, 13 and a half points. That's a lot of points in any divisional matchup, let alone a matchup where the Eagles have been playing as poorly as they have for the last three weeks on a short week after playing how many consecutive primetime games. They have another standalone game here. There's there's. Just I I do not see a world where the Eagles win this game by multiple touchdowns. So because of that, I'm taking the Giants plus 13 and a half. Yeah, I'm taking the Eagles. I think this is I think you're overreacting to the last couple of weeks. And and I get why. But we got to remember this team's really good. They also just had arguably the toughest stretch of football that anyone in the NFL will ever have in the entire regular season. Yeah. We're talking Dolphins. I know the commanders aren't great. It was Dolphins, Commanders. Then we go Cowboys, Chiefs, Bills, Niners, Cowboys, and Seahawks were a playoff team. Listen, now they finish up with Giants, Cardinals, Giants. I think they feel like this is the time to unleash. Dexter Lawrence is questionable in this game, which is actually huge on that side of the ball. Um, Landon Dickerson is doubtful still, and that's the last piece of their line to come back, which is massive for sure. Um, He played on on Monday too, so. Yeah, exactly. So I don't, I don't I think like we'll see what happens there. Um listen, I think the Eagles can blow this team out. Um I really do and I think it it comes down to the fact that they will be able to run the ball on this defense um a, a little bit for sure, but what we've always been worried, right? I, I think we kind of know by watching this team, you watch enough, we're worried about their secondary and their defense, right? Like that's really what it is. Um and what I am looking forward to is what happens again in the secondary um, and everything. So Tommy DeVito obviously <laughs> took that huge hit um, last time he was out there. Uh, he's evaluated for a concussion. I don't know exactly where he's at. Even I'm looking at here. Um, I don't know. He took obviously that huge hit. It says he's being tested and all that stuff. It doesn't really say if he's going to be in or out for this game. Um but what I will say is, even if he's in, this is where the Giants' offensive line issues will come to play. Like, they, these two teams haven't played each other, and this is such a good lineup for the Eagles' defensive line to get in form right before the playoffs. I could see the defense scoring a touchdown here. I could see a lot of, like, pressure sacks, three and, out, three and outs. Um, it's at home. I think it's just, this is kind of a get-right game for the Eagles. Uh, I think they get it done. That, that's honestly my take. I think they get it done not only the win, but covering 13 and a half and winning by two scores. Um, this seems like a game when no one believes in what's going to happen. And then they just blow the doors off of people. So I'm going with the Eagles. I, I'll say I'm with I'll, you. Uh, go ahead, Scotty. And then I'll, I'll wrap no, up after that. No, I was I, like, I'm with Vito here. Like this is uh, you just went through probably when you, when you boil it down, if you were to look back in history, probably the toughest stretch six, seven-game stretch of NFL games in NFL history, uh, just based on based on who you played. I think this is a spot where this this is like a, a fuck you, like a get-right game, like a, hey, 
we're actually a really good team. We just played really tough opponents that may be better than us at the end of the day. But like Giants, like for for as good as that defense has played, uh, like there's nothing uh, when when you look at matchups, right? Uh, Eagles offense is better than the Giants defense, despite how how poorly both the Eagles offense has played. Eagles defense at the end of the day is better than the the Giants offense for sure. And really all you got to do is shut down Saquon, right? On on the Giants. You're going to depend on Tommy DeVito to throw to fucking who on the secondary. Doesn't matter. Like like the the secondary can just play like relatively basic cover 2 and, and be okay in this game against the wide receivers and, and force Saquon to make plays. I, I think this is like an easy cover and a, and a spot, and it's got it's got the hammer's got to drop at some point, right? Because neither Jalen nor Sirianni nor anybody in Philadelphia, for that matter, is going to be satisfied with I just went out and let's get the five seed. Like I don't care, whatever. Uh, that's not happening. Like this team is better than that, talent wise, and they've proven that uh, over the past couple of years. And I think this is a game that is like Vito said, a get right. And in uh, a game where they can position themselves into uh, potentially a better spot in the uh, in the NFC, uh, like we think that they are. Yeah, no, I just look respectfully. I just completely disagree. I Vito, you said like we're we're worried about the defense, right? I'm more worried about the offense. Like the defense played fine on Sunday. That last drive was bad. Don't get me wrong. The offense has had multiple opportunities throughout this year against uh, Dallas, against Dallas the first time, against Kansas City, against Buffalo. The Eagles won all three of those games. Or the Eagles won all three of those games. The offense had opportunities to put those games away, to not put the defense on the field, and completely shit the bed, diarrhea down their pants, three and outs, gave the ball back to very good, talented players, and made those games way closer than they should have been, especially when that, that Buffalo game, when the Eagles go down, score three straight touchdowns to take the lead in the second half when everyone thought that game was over and the Eagles were oh, getting, yeah. sh- getting shit pumped by Buffalo. Yeah, right? They go three and out with a chance to ice that game. Didn't do it. Same thing happened on Monday night against one of the five worst defenses in the NFL in the Seattle Seahawks statistically. In de- defensive DVOA, they were ranked 28th out of 32 teams, and the Eagles put up 17 points against one of the worst defenses in the NFL. I am, do think though that Dory Jackson, like uh, between Dory Jackson and Deontay Banks, you're talking about two guys that are literally in the top or in the bottom five percent of cornerbacks in the rankings, and they're starting. So like this is the game to throw it up to AJ and let him go. I mean, fuck off. But look, Seattle I mean, didn't have Devin, but but Seattle didn't have Devin Witherspoon and Reek Wollen was they didn't play the entire first half and played like ten snaps in the second half for. Whatever reason, which felt like a Malcolm Butler-esque issue with, you know, Pete Carroll and him, like the, some sort of butting of head situation where they just didn't play them. The Eagles offense, to what you guys both said, like the Eagles can run the football. They can run the football. They haven't been running the football. They're choosing not to run the football in opportunities and games where they very easily could. Instead, they're reliant on some of the dumbest pass concepts that are that exist in the NFL, I would take Arthur Smith calling plays right now with the way he's ignored Kyle Pitts over what we've seen out of Brian Johnson and Nick Sirianni. And right. And, and there's no option game like to speak like, of Jalen. Hurts was, can't. And like, we want to say Jalen sick Monday night, all this stuff. 
Jalen ran the ball fine. Everything he was doing, making mistakes for, was in the passing game. Those mistakes he's been making consistently for four weeks now have been entirely on Jalen, right? And part of it is the passing concept, right? It, it's nothing is ever definitive of it's one side or the other. It's both, right? It is both. It's the coaching and the play design and the play calling, and it's Jalen not seeing the field and regressing back to a version of him that is not the guy that we spent $200 million on. They need to make serious changes moving forward. Because, and this is crazy. I understand. They're 10 and 14. What are you talking about? I, I get it. But the game against San Francisco and the game against Dallas, and I did my rant last week when you weren't on the pod, Vito, but those are games where, hey, if they lose those games after the stretch and the gauntlet they went through, whatever, I expected them to lose those games. I didn't expect them to get embarrassed. One at home and one against your biggest rival. Those losses are inexcusable the way that they performed in those games. And then you add the cherry on top, which is this Monday night game that they had complete control of the entire time. And they had multiple, they had two different opportunities in the fourth quarter to ice that game out where they could have run the ball with DeAndre Swift and Jalen Hurts and using the legs, using that offensive line, getting ways to push the ball downfield, keep the clock running. And Jalen inexplicably throws a deep ball to Quez Watkins, who, by the way, great stat. The last five throws to, to Quez Watkins, three interceptions, one overthrow, and one drop. Those are the last five Five, last five times they've thrown the ball to Quez Watkins. So maybe Quez Watkins just shouldn't be on the field. Maybe we should just put, you know, cut him, put him on the practice squad, whatever. I'd, I'd rather Alameda Sakias or Julio Jones be out on the field instead of Quez fucking Watkins. Nick Sirianni's obsession with Quez Watkins will forever confuse me and I will never understand why, but they do. All right. It, it is, it is coaching malpractice. It is quarterback malpractice. The offense has been an absolute shell of itself. You cannot justify 12 points against San Francisco, 13 points against Dallas, and 17 points against Seattle and say, hey, this is what this offense, this is a good offense that can go up against the New York Giants and put up 25 points or more to cover a 13 and a half point spread. It's just not going to happen. I think they'll win the game because the talent will outweigh it. And we're, we're going to talk about it on Tuesday. Yeah, and we're going to we sit will. there and be like, I'm hey, excited to the Eagles won the game, right? The Eagles won the game. We should feel good, right? They won by 10 but they didn't cover. Hey, but they looked a little bit better. They should be blowing teams like this out. And let's wait and see what happens. Let's wait and see what and happens. We'll see. They're so negative on, on the, on the Eagles all the damn time. Now they are still such a good team. They're playing a shit giants team. Let's There's, see what happens. They have played like the giants the last three weeks. There's nothing in the last three weeks that tell you this is a good football team. That right doesn't now. mean that's how they're going to play right this now. week. That's no, you're not saying. right. But I'm you're taking correlating the recent, all those together. I'm taking I just the think most that you're recent so negative evidence. On this. I'm taking the most yeah. recent evidence. Okay? I've been yeah. high on the Eagles plenty over the time we've done this podcast, and I've been down uh, on the Eagles plenty. I have absolutely yeah. been high on the Eagles. I've picked the Eagles half the time this year. <laughs> our right? group yeah, chat, exactly hey, our, group, our safe space group chat is different than <laughs> us on this podcast. Fair enough. All right. I've picked the you Eagles. You still picked them half the time, and they're still 10 and four. Like, you know what I'm saying? Absolutely. And again, I would love to see a 25 point blowout this week. That'd be great. I don't think it happens. I don't think it happens. And I also don't think I'm wrong for what we've seen for the last month out of this team to question it, let alone the entire season where they have two wins of double digits. You know, that's it's not a team that you think is a 10 and four team. Anywho, last game of the week the coup de grace. The, the bell cow of games, Raven, Ravens and Niners. I just tried to combine their names. 
Ravens at Niners. Niners are a five-point favorite at home in this game. And before you say anything, Scotty, lock in my third lock of the week. The Niners minus five. Easy, easy win. I think this is a whole lot of build-up to a game that's going to be an absolute blowout because nobody can hang with the San Francisco 49ers. The floor well, is Thank yours. you, Jeffrey. The floor we is appreciate yours. your support. Um, but I think this is going to be it's a tougher support. game than uh, it. It is in a way. Uh, it, it's going to be a tough game, man. Like I, I, I feel like, I feel like the line is smaller. Uh, to your point, because of what we saw, the Niners' run defense look like against Arizona last week, right? Yeah. And the Ravens are the best rushing team in the NFL, uh, even without Keaton Mitchell. Um, and including Lamar Jackson. Um, I think this is a game where you you sort of let back and and you can, you know, do do what you do against the Seahawks, like pin your ears back and get after the quarterback and still be able to force like Lamar to make throws at the same time. The two can coexist. It's not like you're choosing to blitz and and forcing the uh the quarterback to run or choosing not to blitz and forcing the quarterback to throw. But that's where the matchup gets interesting to me is because Lamar can overcome so many of those things. I think uh, at the end of the day, uh, his out has been Isaiah Likely, and that is the thing that like uh, defensively where I think the, the, the Niners prevail is because they have a guy like Fred Warner who can uh, plug that up or a guy like uh, Jair Brown, who stepped in for Tyler uh, Hufunga or Talano Hufunga, and uh, and and played a really great nickel safety spot, um, and and sort of shut that out. And then now you're dependent on OBJ and Zay Flowers deep, and and that's where the the Ravens' offense has sort of struggled is when they're depending on throwing the ball deep to one of those guys. Um, so I think. I, I think this game can be kind of neutralized by the Niners defense. And then all the Niners offense has got to do is go out and cook uh, again. Uh, granted, this is a really phenomenal defense and I, you know, screw you, Kyle Hamilton for the disrespect that you show. I get it. You're not on prime time as much. Boo-hoo, Baltimore, Maryland, suck a dick. Get out of here with that. Uh, you know, uh, what was me? We're not on primetime that much. Oh, uh, Brock Purdy's not the MVP. I don't see it. Uh, their offense is not great. Oh, yeah, really? We got CMC, Debo, Brandon Ayuk, George Kittle. Who is saying the this? ball down your throat, brother. Get out of here. Who, who is, who is saying Hamilton. any of this? I never even heard that. Um, no, but I trust you. I haven't, I haven't read no, all I trust the press you. clippings. Just, I don't think it's like a big thing going around the news cycle. Yeah, he's like, oh, did a little disrespect. Uh, uh, no, no respect. Uh, screw you, Baltimore. Hey. Get out of here. Niners cover this five and a half easy. This I'm is. A, I think it's going to be a great game, though, man. Like I, I'm so excited for this game. I hope I'm not too hammered by the time game time happens because it's Christmas Day. Um, but look, I, like this, this to me, and and you guys tell me too. I think this is a, a, as much of a Super Bowl preview as there was in, in any regular season game at this point of the season ever. I mean, it, it's definitely – there have been some like this for sure, but this is one of the ones ramping up to it. I'm taking the Ravens, and the reason I'm taking the Ravens because I believe in both of these teams. Um, I love the Ravens' defense too. I think they're one of the only teams that may be able to actually hang with some of these guys and not 
I don't know when they throw those quick passes to Debo. I have actual faith that like the Ravens corners may be able to actually make a tackle and not just set up all the yak past yeah. everybody. Yeah, dude, he is nuts. And I think it's going to take a really good team defense to do something like this uh, to, to just slow the Niners down enough to cover five. I don't think the Ravens will win, but I do think five they could maybe cover. Uh, I'm going to go with the Ravens. I don't feel good about the pick, but I also just think that um, the Niners have looked so dominant, in, but the Ravens have been quiet. And I think to your point, this is a preview. One of my favorite games that that really launched a dynasty actually was people forget the Patriots in 2001 played the uh, they played the Rams in the regular season towards the end. And they lost that game by three points. And Tom Brady in the interview in America's game said that like, that was a game when we knew we could hang with the defending champs shit. Like I guess they won two years ago, but they were obviously dominant. And he was like, man, they're the team. And the fact that like we hung with them, slowed down their offense and we're able to contain within three, push them on a playoff run to get to the Super Bowl and, and then rematch that game. So talking about rematches there, Scotty, that's what I kind of think. And I could see, I could see the Ravens keeping it within three or four points. So I'm going to, I'm going to take the Ravens. Um, I, I'm assuming money is on the Niners side. Like America's throwing on that side. I like as listen, a home game, too. I'm sure. Yeah. Yeah. I just, I just have a lot of faith in the Ravens. I think, I think higher of their defense than I do of most units in the NFL. So that's, that's where I'm rolling with them. Including but the Niners I don't defense. feel strongly about it. Yeah. I don't feel strongly about the Ravens. I just think that it's a good value pick with five. Yeah, no, I and look, I, I actually have a lot of the similar thoughts that you do, Vito. Like to me, like I actually love the. I'm very excited to watch the Ravens' defense and the Niners' offense go head to head. And f- the biggest reason, I think, there's two main reasons. But number one, Kyle Hamilton. Like Kyle Hamilton is the difference maker. A dude's he a dog. Is, like the, no he doubt. is the X factor difference making type of player. Which is why, if you go back to the year the Eagles drafted Jordan Davis. And we were going back and forth the year of the A.J. Brown trade, right? We were going back and forth over uh, – uh, we were on a group chat. We got on to Zoom that night and did a podcast and everything else. Like, I wanted the Eagles to get Kyle Hamilton because that is a huge piece of what the Eagles defense is missing right now, right? Like, that specialty, unique player who can come out and no make huge plays. He's a He no can doubt. match up. You feel comfortable putting <laughs> Kyle Hamilton – you don't feel great because you don't feel great with anyone going up against CMC – but like, hey, put Kyle Hamilton in space. He's going to give you as good of a chance as anybody. Same thing with George Kittle. He is an, he is that perfect Swiss Army knife player, the Derwin, Derwin James type player that we've talked about in the past. Better. Who can Better than Derwin? Yeah, but like the guy who can match up with those types of players, right? And like, and that and, is something that they have. But the other aspect of it, and I think it's just as important, is the linebacker play. Like you have Roquan Smith, Roquan, you have yeah. Patrick Queen, right? You have That's guys who will help you run stuff without having invested everything into the offense, or the defensive line. You've invested in the front seven you, or front six in a lot of cases in the modern NFL. You've invested in guys that, hey, we can put, have a nickel defense out there and we don't feel like we're losing anything in the run game because of how good Roquan Smith and Patrick Queen are at stopping the run, in addition to a pretty solid defensive line. All that being said, I actually think the Ravens defense will do a good job against this Niners offense, which to me is holding them to like 28 points, right? The question to me is, do I believe in the Ravens offense enough against a really, really good Niners defense to get within a touchdown? And I don't believe like the, the Ravens offense has been all about efficiency, 
running the ball consistently, letting Lamar scramble and make Time a couple of, of big plays throughout the game, right? I don't think they're going to be able to do that against this Niners defense. I think the offense is going to struggle against that Niners defense because you have the unicorn linebacker in Fred Warner who might actually be able to go toe-to-toe with Lamar in open space, right? Nobody can, but as much as anybody can, right? You have the nasty front, and we've seen Lamar take more sacks this year than just about any other year in his career. So you have that nasty defensive front who's going to force Lamar out of the pocket. And if Lamar runs for 180 yards and two touchdowns and throws for two more, then okay. Like, you live with that because that's just Lamar being so uniquely special that he's going to get his points. But that's not typically... What happens when you go up against a really, really good defense that also has that unicorn in the middle, like Fred Warner and Dre Greenlaw, who ups you in the running game, not to mention you lose Keaton Mitchell, right? Which is a huge loss to them. So it's the Gus Edwards show. So Gus Edwards is going to give you your 50 yards and maybe a touchdown on the ground. I don't see, and this has been the one thing we've talked about the Ravens all year is those explosive plays in the passing game. There's been more of them, but it has never looked clean it's always like Lamar underthrew Isaiah likely by five yards and he came back and caught it and still ended up making the touchdown or the the game where he threw the deep ball to OBJ that OBJ fell to the ground caught it got back up ran scored the touchdown right like I don't see enough consistent dynamic offensive plays without Mark Andrews to believe that this offense is going to make a big difference against a really really good Niners defense and they could if they can control the ball if they can establish to run it is absolutely possible because Lamar is that special but I think it's going to take a Herculean type effort out of Lamar for them to really be in this game because I think the offense and defensive matchup is going to be great if they can get to Purdy you might be able to slow it down a little bit but as we've seen there are so many weapons there that is as the second the ball gets out of Purdy's hands you're done like you're just done as soon as it and gets that, into the hands the only of CMC difference. or anybody else, you're cooked. That's the only difference to me is like, is on, on offense. Like I think you or on defense, rather you play a game like you did against the Eagles where it's like, all right, we can just, we can rush all we want, but it's just going to be like coverage sacks because we'll let Lamar take six seconds in the pocket to try to throw the ball. Uh, yeah. But at the end of the day, that offensive line is not going to hold up. Yeah. Who are dogs, by the way? Yeah. Baltimore's offensive line is one of the best in the league. Um, but it's been all. But so was been, the Eagles going into that game? Run blocking, right? Like, yeah, the the, the Ravens O line has been really good because they've been blocking downhill, running the football the entire time. When as and, soon as they get into those situations, where it's like, hey, give Lamar three seconds to go through his progression and throw out the throw out the read. They have been able to do a decent job at that. But I think this D line in this front for San Francisco, especially as soon as they start drawing up and and they start. Uh, was it Steve Wilkins, right, is the defensive Steve coordinator? Wilkes. Yeah. Steve Wilkes. As soon as he starts drawing up those pressures where it's like, all right, here's our front four. Oh, and also Dre Greenlaw's coming at you. Oh, and by the way, F- Fred Warner's coming at you now too. That's when facing that defense becomes a so – yeah. it, just, it just feels like you're – like, and I watched it with the Eagles offense. It feels like you were on an uphill battle the entire time. Because yeah. it's like, all right, we've been able to move the ball a little bit. Okay, boom, dialing up the blitz with Greenlaw, dialing up the blitz with Fred Warner, sending in a, a nickel blitz off the side. That's when that defense feels like I we have no possible answers. Because even if our wide receivers get open, which Zay Flowers has been great as a rookie, and Rashad Bateman's been better this year, and OBJ is still serviceable, none of those guys are, 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 are Devontae Smith or A.J. Brown. None of those guys are, are Jamar Chase or T. Higgins or anyone like that. You know, like you don't have any of those 
game-changing wide receivers. So it's going to fall onto Lamar's shoulders. And if he scramble drills to open throws and big-time plays, then that's how Baltimore's going to have to win this game. But I just, I just, I think it's that that defense. Like we're so fixated on the offense, and rightfully so. But when that defense is dialed up against a really good offense, they have so many different variables in which they can throw at you that even if they play base coverage and you let Fred Warner drop into coverage or whatever, like they still can get after you. And the second they decide to start blitzing, you are fucked. And the and, only and literally the only yeah, you're right because they're at the ball the every time. Yeah, they're at the ball every time. So yeah, if if you even if you decide to like do like a spy and key on Lamar to open the game, like great. Now he's got to throw the ball, and then it maybe he hits a couple of throws, and then it's like all of a sudden, like now Fred's dropping into coverage, and you're forcing Lamar to run, which yeah. like that's the only front that could probably stop him. To your point, so uh, yeah, man, I, I'm with. I think it's going to be a great game. I'm really looking forward to it. I'm I'm very curious because I think if there's a defense that can match up with the Niners offense, I think it's Baltimore's. Agreed. And so that's why I think they if they could hold San Francisco to like 28 points, but it's going to be that reverse. Is there an offense that can go toe to toe with this defense that also has a defense that can stop the offense? Because right now, if you were to power rank like San Francisco is the number one offense and they probably have like the number two defense behind the Jets. And there's nobody else after like that. That to me is like, I don't think there's a single team that has a, a complimentary football base on offense and defense who like, you might have a defense good enough close, to angle though. the offense. <laughs> yeah. But there's still a lot of injuries on that bill's defense, you know, and, and Kansas city because of Mahomes, I think is like one of the only teams that could, because that defense is really good for Kansas city. I'm just I'm fascinated to see the matchup as a football fan between Niners O and and the Ravens defense, but I'm almost equally as curious to see if this Ravens offense has taken that legit step forward, and this is one of their first true tests now that it feels like the Ravens are playing good offense. So uh, it's going to be fun. A loaded slate. Uh, I hope everybody has a wonderful weekend. We did went a little bit longer because we know people are traveling. So I hope everybody has safe travels getting home. Uh, but enjoy the football. Happy holidays. Merry Christmas. Uh, I think we we just wrapped up Hanukkah, too. So if you celebrate Hanukkah, I hope you had a wonderful Hanukkah celebration. Um, so, yeah, happy, happy holidays. Merry Christmas to everyone who celebrates. Merry Christmas to both of you. I love you both. You know that. Um, and, yeah, let's hope for some good football. Let's hope that we get let's get another pod sweep here. Right. We'll get the Broncos, the Eagles and Niners to win we can do that to uh to ring in the holidays and then we'll be back like i said it might just be me we'll coordinate see if any of the boys can hop on after that ravens niners game on uh christmas day uh maybe on the 26th we can get together we'll all be up in philly so uh we'll, we'll see if we can maybe even swing together for something but uh until then i hope everyone has a wonderful holiday and uh, we will talk to you guys next week enjoy the football Enjoy the, the the holidays and Christmas and whatever you're celebrating. And we will talk to you guys next week. So until then, as always, take it easy, everybody.